Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thank goodness it is Friday, July 26th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we're going to hear a lot about that movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, okay? <laughs> Just a little forewarning right there. But we do have guests and political content. Do yeah. not worry. <laughs> it's another Romana Rundown with sometimes editor Romana Hussein, former host of Chicago Newsroom, and dear friend Kenny D. Ken Davis returns. And it's the Ben Jarofsky Show debut of Benny J. Show superfan, <laughs> John Gleason Teske. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. Uh, we're not calling this Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Although we could call it Once Upon a Time. Oh, yeah. Did you see the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No, nope. been out for not even 24 hours. And I was it. there in line, ready to see it with all the other Tarantino geeks. Yay! My wife, my lovely wife, was, was with me as well. God bless her. She puts up with me. Anyway, we're not calling this Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Friday. We're calling this Hurt Feelings Friday, Aww. D. And he... I'm sorry. What did I do? <laughs> no, you never do anything. It's oh. not you that hurt anybody be feelings. Whoa. Anyway, <clears throat> I will not sing. <clears throat> so I woke up to discover that the Fraternal Order of Police is still really mad at Mayor Lori Lightfoot. All right, now we talked about this yesterday, D. Uh, this all emanates from Wednesdays. Oh, speaking of, you're over that movie yesterday now. Well, it's, it's true. I'm, it's momentarily caught. You're so over yesterday. <laughs> I love yesterday, yeah. but it's preempted. You're <laughs> correct. By Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I love that movie. But anyway, D, I'm supposed to focus, okay? You told me, don't talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, all right? All right. So focus, Ben, focus. Now, what was I focused on? Oh, yes. Mayor Lori Lightfoot's ongoing spat with the Fraternal Order Police goes back to Wednesday. It was at a Wednesday City Council meeting. We have this public uh, uh, address system where everybody gets to address the mayor. Uh, it's the public portion of the show where the you, the citizens of the city of Chicago, have your opportunity to stand before Her Highness and say things that are on your mind, and Her Highness is supposed to listen to you, all right? And it's a great thing we have in the city of Chicago. It's democracy with a small d, and let's, you know, it only took a lawsuit to get it but whatever we got it all right anyway so uh patrick uh murray who is an official with the local fraternal order of police rose to speak and at that point Lori lightfoot muttered quote this fop clown only she muttered it into an open mic whoops so we should not have heard it what would the matama say with the fingers going like this. Hang tight, non-sports fans. <laughs> Dikembe Matoma, I love him. Anyway, so 
The Fraternal Order of Police was really upset, as well they should. It was very insulting for her to say that. Uh, Patrick Murray is a citizen in the city of Chicago. He has every single right to address her highness, and she should be respectful, in my humble opinion, to people who come before her, and she should not mutter things like, that clown. She should listen to what he has to say and take notes if she wants to, not take notes, whatever, but no need to insult him. Or wait till you get home, at least. <laughs> yeah, what you say behind closed doors is <laughs> your own business. There's a song about that, D. What goes on behind closed doors? Do you know that song? No, it sounds dirty. It's from the 70s. You wouldn't know it. Anyway, moving on. So uh, the reporters wall ran up to uh, Lori Lightfoot afterwards to ask her, are you going to apologize? And what did she say? Let me see. What did she say? Uh, she said, uh, I am sorry that I said that out loud. That's correct. Oh. <laughs> God, Muller. Oh, God. Ah, can't hear a word yourself. What? Huh? What page is that? <laughs> Muller. Anyway, Lori Lightfoot. That's not a very good apology. We talked about this yesterday. That is 101 of not a good apology because you're not saying that you're sorry that you said it. You're not saying that you're sorry that you insulted a citizen of the city of Chicago who has every right to stand before you uh, at, a, at the public portion of the city council meeting. No, you're saying you're sorry you got caught saying the nasty thing about him. So it's not a good apology. All right. Now, having said that, I think the National Fraternal Order of Police is taking it a little too far. Yes, they weighed in. Chuck Catterbury is his name. He's the president of the National Fraternal Order of Police. And he's insulted, D. He's hurt, okay? He wants a better apology. And what did he say? He said, uh, here we go, and, and uh, gave an interview with Fran Spielman in the Sun-Times. My beloved bright one, home delivered every day. You know, D, I'm going to have to start uh, reading the news the way you do, not just home. I've just come to that decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm always behind. Yeah. It's like 24 hours because I actually read a newspaper. Come on board, you 2019. Board a, hey, you got a little... <laughs> we'll have a blast. <laughs> 2019. I'll Venmo you afterwards. Yeah, by the way, uh, who was the first person to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh. <laughs> the older guy. Yeah. Anyway. All right, where was I? Oh, this is what Canterbury said. That's his name. Chuck Canterbury says they're professionals. They understand that she's the mayor, but they also believe that she needs to listen more and talk less. She's surely not endearing herself to the people. You are paid to protect the, the city of Chicago. If you continuously degrade people, it affects morale greatly. That last portion is very important. I will read that again. If you continuously degrade people, it affects morale greatly. You're here. I agree with that. So, Federal Order Police. Mr. Canterbury, Chuck Canterbury, if you're so concerned about the uh, degrading law enforcement officers, if you're so concerned about the morale caused when public officials, prominent public officials, degrade law enforcement officers and people who try to enforce the law, where, oh, where have you been for the last two years as President Donnie John Trump has one day to the next ripped law enforcement officers who dare to investigate him for his crimes, his alleged crimes and misdemeanors. Let me go through it. Okay, here we go. Donald John Trump on James Comey, the former head of the FBI. Quote, an untruthful slimeball. Mr. Canterbury, where were you when 
Donald John Trump called James Comey an untruthful slimeball. How about this? Trump on Robert Mueller's investigators, the greatest witch hunt in U.S. history. Where were you calling out Trump on that? That had to hurt the morale of law enforcement officers. How about this one about the Mueller investigators? Democratic never Trumpers. Oh, he's saying they have no credibility because they may have supported a Democrat because someone they knew gave money to a Democrat. You're saying is no, they have no credibility. Mr. Canterbury, where are you for that one, huh? How about when he just continually re- rips Peter Stroke, that FBI agent, talks about an FBI agent lover, downgrades everything he ever just did, talk, just, just basically calls him a slimeball? Where are you for that one? Not one word on that one, but you're really upset about Lori Lightfoot. Isn't that interesting how you pick and choose which public officials you want to apologize for the mean, nasty things they say about law enforcement officials? Now, D, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, Ben, you know what you're doing? You're. <laughs> How'd you know that? That's what I was about to say. Uh, you're about to say, what, what about it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're Get about to say, what, what about ism? Ism? That's what That's you're what about, about to say. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Matumbo. How'd you know? <laughs> Leah's in the room. Hey, anyway, we could do this all day. I like doing that. Yeah, actually. we'd lose uh, listeners. <laughs> anyway, what about isms is what Democrats accuse Republicans of doing. And they do it all the time, Republicans, by the way. So, for instance, if Donald John Trump were to say he grabs women by their private parts, only he says the word, which we don't say on the show, D. Right? Thank you. Uh, and uh, when he says that, Republicans always say, what about Bill Clinton? Right, D. When uh, Donald Trump, John Trump, is caught making payments to strippers, so uh, he can hush up uh, their his affairs with them, Republicans say, "What about Bill Clinton?" Right? Huh? Oh, yeah. uh, when Donald Trump, John Trump, is seen hanging around with that sleazoid Epstein, right? Call him a great guy. What do Republicans say? What about Bill Clinton? So there, I know what you're saying to me. You're saying you're doing what about isms just the way we do what about isms. Well, it's good for you. <laughs> If it's good for you, it's good for us, right? Huh, Republicans? You're the only one to get to play that game. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to cut a deal. I'm going to cut a deal with the uh, head of the Fraternal Order Police, all right? I will allow you to say whatever you want. I will uh, cheer you on as you criticize uh, Lori Lightfoot for saying mean, nasty things about law enforcement officials in the city of Chicago when just once, once, You say something critical about Donald John Trump when he rips the FBI and their investigations. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, indeed. Ramana Hussein will be here. It's the Ramana Rundown every Friday. I'm probably going to ask her about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Day. Oh, wow. Shocking. (laughs) Saw that movie last night when it opened. Yes, 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 indeed. People Uh, are listening. They know. Young Kenneth Davis will be here. I love Ken Davis, and uh, he will be doing his imitation of me imitating him. How about that? (laughs) All right. And uh, then you'll do your imitation of me imitating him and him. Get the bong, listeners. It's going to get crazy. Ken Davis has a lot to say about everything, including Trump and a local politics. So I can't uh, wait to bring him on. And, of course, the man they call J.G. T. John Gleason-Desky will be making his Ben Jarofsky show debut. We'll be asking about Trump, 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 and more Trump. So plenty of political talk ahead. But before we do any of that, the doctor with the news. Hey, did you uh, sort of invite that FOP guy to be on the show? 
Yeah, he's more than welcome to come <laughs> on the show. Say. Criticize <laughs> Donald John Trump. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. All right, FOP man. Come on. Uh, what, Cadbury? Like the eggs? Come on the show. Do it. It's the middle of the final day of the week. Let's unpack the national. Oh, by the way, I'm Dennis, not a doctor. Um, <laughs> let's unpack the national news happening one more time before the weekend. <laughs> Actually, before we do that, we have to talk about this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, an exclusive brand new interview waiting for you so when you get some downtime this weekend make sure to download this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews here's the lineup oh and unlike last weekend I'll post the right interview okay turns out Toy Hutchinson and uh, Terry uh, Cosgrove uh, wrong interview that's now posted by the way and you can check that out uh, wrong <laughs> Oops. that's just me and Ben doing this here sometimes that'll happen but I'll get. The, we'll make sure that these uh, interviews are on there. That's a great interview, by the way. Toy Hutchinson was Hutchinson was on fire. Yeah, she uh, she put a button on uh, Confederate Railroad. Yes, yeah, she think, did. Pretty well. Yeah. All right, Saturday, July twenty seventh. He's a Chicago radio legend and a dear friend of Ben Jarofsky and the Ben Jarofsky Show. It's the new Ben Jarofsky Show debut. Of the real deal, Richard Steele. Absolutely great interview. A blast talking to Richard Steele. We we went into a whole thing about getting fired, which was actually pretty funny. Richard Steele told, told some pretty funny stories about getting fired. Uh, and then the national politics, local politics, the real deal, Richard Steele. You're going to love hearing that, folks. If you're thinking, wait a minute, Richard Steele. I know that name. Yeah, the guy from WBEZ. Yeah, that Richard Steele. Uh, and, but before that, a lot of WBEZ listeners do not know this. I'm going to help you out. The guy was a freaking legend. On uh, on the radio for I don't know thirty years do, uh, as a music D, as a DJ. So Richard Steele knows the game, ladies and gentlemen. That'll be available tomorrow, Saturday at six a.m. Richard Steele on to Sunday's interview. Now this feller's coming in after today's program. I've never met the guy. His name's Mark Bazer. Ben, tell us what to expect. Mark, with Mark Bazer, Bazer is the host of a, a, a comic talk show at the Hideout. Uh, what's it, once a month on Fridays? Very funny guy. Very a shrewd observer of the political scene. He has a show on WTTW. So I'm looking forward to having Mark sit in that chair right there. We'll talk about the issues of the day. All right. That's going to be available Sunday at 6 a.m. And on Monday, available at 5 a.m. Because I know a lot of you people got to get to work early at ungodly hours. It's the semi-newly elected 25th Ward Alderman, the one, the only, Alderman Byron Sicho Lopez. Yes, with his wife, Laureen uh, Targos. It's a very interesting issue uh, interview. We just did it. Yeah, we did it yesterday. Uh, Alderman Sicho Lopez talking about beating Danny Solis's machine on the 25th Ward. And just all the bizarre counterattacks. Uh, that the Solis machine ran at him. Danny Solis, of course, being the uh, former alderman of the 25th Ward, who who stepped down claiming he wanted to spend more time with his family. D. Remember that? Danny Solis said, I might want to spend more time with my grandchildren. And they said, he said that, or maybe his grandchild. Anyway, then it turned out he was wearing a wire for the feds and scooping up dirt on Ed Burke. <laughs> he left that part out of the equation. Anyway, uh, uh, Byron and uh, Lorene uh, Targo's really interesting interview. I, I have to say, when uh, talking about their uh, a happily married couple and uh, what the tactics of their opponents was to say they weren't really married. This is so Chicago, folks. Follow me on this one. That ward, the 25th ward, is on the near southwest side of Chicago and includes Hispanic areas and includes a Chinatown. And Lorene Tardos is a Chinese-American. And so it was advantageous for Byron Sixto Lopez to be married to her to get China, Chinatown votes. Okay, you following this? This is classic Chicago politics. So what did Danny Solis' machine do to try to undercut that? They spread rumors that they weren't really married great city city of chicago that's democracy in the city of chicago anyway 
politics in the city of Chicago. That will be on Monday, right, young man? That'll be on Monday. They held hands the entire time during the interview, all right? I don't know what you're talking about, Solis. <laughs> yeah. That, no, you're talking about Kitty Kurth and Kevin Lampy. That was the political love couple that was on about two oh, weeks man, ago. Yeah. yeah, break it up, guys. Come on, we're doing an interview. It's this weekend's Benny J Bonus Interviews, downloadable only at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download podcasts. All right, let's do the national news. House Speaker Nancy Jarofsky, I mean... <laughs> Pelosi. He loves Nancy Pelosi, guys. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi really good. held her weekly press conference this morning. She began by lauding the budget deal passed by the House yesterday. And she then burned the Senate Republicans for refusing to take up bills aimed at strengthening U.S. election security. Oh God, what a joke that is. She then recapped her recent meeting with Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a.k.a. AOC. Pelosi downplayed any differences between her and the progressive congresswoman when asked what whether the meeting helped the pair bury the hatchet, speak, uh, Speaker Pelosi said, quote, I would never even say that it was a hatchet. <laughs> uh, yeah, the old hatchet line. Uh, Listen, uh, Nancy Pelosi. Yes, yes, it's true. I have a Nancy Pelosi lunchbox and a Nancy Pelosi thermos. Okay? That's weird, guys. Uh, but uh, you really blew it, in my humble opinion, with that interview with Maureen Dowd. It was unnecessary, Maureen Dowd, the columnist for the New York Times, to take a shot at AOC and the rest of the squad. That opened things up for Donnie John Trump to then rip on, rip on them. And now we've been doing this for, for two weeks. So a little more restraint, okay? A little more restraint, I know. You, you're you're the person in charge, and it's difficult sometimes for powerful people to show restraint. In fact, we were just discussing this in regards to Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot, anytime you want to legitimately apologize to Patrick Murray for calling him a clown, you should do so, because that's part of the responsibility of being the person in charge. All right. Anyway, so I'm glad that Nancy Pelosi is learned from her mistakes and is not going to uh, make attacks on AOC. Way to go, Ben Pelosi. I mean... <laughs> Ben Jarofsky. Then came, then came the president impeachment portion of Pelosi's press conference. Try saying that five times fast. Our pro, let's impeach the bastard Democrats, have recently called out the speaker for trying to run out the clock on Donald Trump impeachment proceedings. By the way, since yesterday, six more House Democrats have announced their support of launching impeachment proceedings against Trump since Robert Mueller testified. Nancy Pelosi denied that she was trying to, quote, run out the clock. She went on to say... Let's get sophisticated about this, okay? We will proceed when we have what we need to proceed. Not one day sooner. Whoa, man, that's some trippy stuff. We will we will proceed when we what? We will proceed when we have what we need to proceed. Okay. Not one day sooner. All right. Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, she is drawing out the clock. The House Speaker emphasized that she was committed to moving forward with investigating Trump in a, quote, determined, positive way. Positive? <laughs> Whatever that means. What, yeah, what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, their <laughs> advocacy for impeachment only gives me leverage, Pelosi said, of the members of her caucus advocating for launching an inquiry. She argued that Robert Mueller's testimony had, quote, confirmed in the public mind that the president has obstructed justice. But given that Mueller was unable to investigate certain elements of the case, including Trump's finances, the speaker said she was committed to continuing their investigations of the president and that it it was Whoa. and that is what we are doing in the courts. I hate this story. She added she would reconsider <laughs> yeah. proceeding with an impeachment inquiry, quote, when we have the best 
possible case. And no, it will not end. We have more to talk about with this impeachment story. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler, who yesterday was for sure pro, let's impeach the bastard. He had his own press conference today. And uh, Ben, we may have a flip-flopper on our hands. Nadler has now declined to publicly endorse impeaching the president. Uh, uh, But Nadler and a group of colleagues did, however, announce their panel would file an application today seeking the grand jury material underlying special counsel Robert Mueller's report all right let's just God. deal with this one Lord, this, that, was I know, that was a tough one man but here's the deal it's hard to say all this because they're flipping and they're flopping and they're spinning and here's the reality folks the democrats are trying to pretend as though we're above politics we just want to get at the truth oh that was marianne williams that's good yeah was that my marianne williams I, so. I have no idea who that was I don't like but that's what democrats always like they want to pretend as though it's a legitimate game meanwhile the other side is down in the mud folks they're fighting with brass knuckles okay it's like the once again the fraternal order police bashed the heck out of Lori lightfoot because she uh, made a, a derogatory comment about patrick murray a local cop not one word about donald john trump all right so one side is trying to play by rules the democrats and the other side I openly acknowledges that the rules don't exist and they say what they ever whatever they want to say and I got to tell you this Nancy Pelosi if if it was reverse and it was a, a democratic president who had met with Putin whose uh, whose confederates had met with Putin who had uh, benefited from stealing uh, documents from democratic computers who by the way front store front page story in the New York Times, the Senate, the the, uh, the Republicans in the U.S. Senate are uh, withholding money to uh, have protections of, of our uh, election system, the computers that count the votes. Why? Because they probably figure that the if the Russians hack, they're going to be hacking on behalf of Donald Trump. So they're not even going to uh, put in those protections. If it were Democrats that were behaving that way, Republicans would already have launched an impeachment proceeding but no nadler and, and pelosi then we're fair we play by the rules the rules don't exist ladies and you gentlemen. think they're beating out trying to beat out the clock oh yeah come on don't wait hold on hold on d uh-oh well he's drinking something ah, the nancy pelosi oh, kool-aid that's what don't that you say anything bad about nancy pelosi he's got a lot of different flavored kool-aid hold on here. there then what's hold it? on uh-oh Did I tell you how much I love Kamala Harris? Okay, we're moving on. (laughs) We have a 2020 Democratic presidential candidate update to discuss. Yeah, Bernie Sanders may have lost a million combs this election season. And yeah, Mayor Pete may have ridden in a million private jets. But Massachusetts Senator and 2020 presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren announced today that her presidential campaign has received... It's one millionth donation. Wow, that's a lot of donations. And no, listeners, that one millionth donation was not from Ben Jarofsky. He's <laughs> really into Joe Biden for some reason these days. Still not sure why. Uh, Grandpa Joe. Oh, Lord. The Massachusetts Democrat posted an online video, and in this video, we've learned that Caitlin was the first per- was the person whose uh, contribution pushed, pushed the campaign across the threshold. Ooh. Who's Caitlin? Yeah. Well, you're about to find out. Here's okay. the video of Warren calling Caitlin... On the phone, yeah. Here it is. Okay, so I'm calling Caitlin. She has made a millionth contribution. Is that pretty amazing? Hello. Hello, Caitlin? Yes. It's Elizabeth Warren. Hey, how are you? Elizabeth Warren? Well, I am particularly good because I'm calling you because you made the millionth contribution to my campaign. Are you serious? I am absolutely serious. Wow. And I'm calling to say a double woohoo thank you. So I just got to ask you real quick. Double woohoo. So, 
So what's your big issue? What's the one that pulls you in? Ah, man. Um, so I'm an ESL teacher. I teach um, English as a second yep. language. So right now, immigration is you know yep. constantly on my mind. Um, yep. And then I also have siblings um, and family members that you know are affected by the healthcare system. Yep. They got a lot of health things going on. So those are my two big things that I really okay. um, really care about. And obviously, education you know has to come in yep. there. So it's hard to say one, but you that's know, okay. Those are the things that are close to me. That's okay. I know just how you feel. You know, because I. All those things are close to my heart. And these are all the things we gotta work on. And you know, they fundamentally come back to this real question about who we're gonna make this government work for. And all of these fit together. We're gonna to make this government work, not just for the wealthy and the well-connected. We're gonna make this government work for all of us. Mm, yeah, that was some conversation. Uh, I, I, I sensed uh, a little, uh, just a tad bit of impatience on the part of Elizabeth Warren. Like the lady, you know, she called some woman out of the blue. What? I don't, maybe they did set it up beforehand and said, what's most on your mind? And the person's like, uh, I got to think about, you just see yeah. the brain going, I got to think about this. And she's like, uh, Elizabeth Warren's like, yep, uh, hum. And they because I'm an ESL teacher. Oh, yeah, yeah, move it along, all right? <laughs> oh, you were definitely not the millionth person to do the donation. Uh, anyway, that kind of reminded me in the old days, back in the old days when I listened to Radio D, you know, oh, in yeah, my room, yeah. they would have like the 10th the tenth caller gets two tickets to see Bob Seger live at the United <laughs> Center. And, and and they would go, Dr. D, uh, this is Ben from W-whatever ever uh, you are the 10th caller to see Seeger and you would go all right wow woo, woo. well she got a call from Elizabeth Warren man she was pumped yeah man kind of reminded me when it's just like getting Bob Seeger tickets all right <laughs> now of course we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along but we're moving on and coming up after this short little break we're going to find out what's going on locally we're going to find out what else is news hey have you ever read the Chicago Reader read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago culture Food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. For the top 1% than the bottom 92%, 49% of all new income goes to the top 1%. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed. We are live at our beautiful studio in the bright one. What you got for me, D? All right. We're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for what else is news. Lori Lightfoot <laughs> was on Chicago Tonight Thursday. Oh, yeah. And we have the audio. <laughs> and for those wondering, yes, the gentleman hosting the Chicago Tonight interview is Paris Schutz. And judging by the look on his face every time he did one, a.k.a. Mayor Rahm's least favorite person to do an interview with, oh. he's back. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I love those parachutes. Rahm Emanuel interviews were hilarious. More on that in a moment. All but right. first, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. We've been learning a few things about you 
since winning the election. Yeah. Number one, or I'm sorry. Number one. Yeah, there you go. You love luncheons. Yeah, she does. And who can blame her? I no, love kid, luncheons. kids. Luncheons are great. Number two. <laughs> Number two. You hate Alderman Ed Burke. <laughs> well, you know, there's a good reason for that. And. Number three. We've learned this one, actually, this week. You're kind of so-so on apologizing. Oh, my God. You are terrible at apologizing. Just say you're sorry. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and the one and only Fran the Woman Spielman. The article is titled, National FOP President Demands That Lightfoot Apologize for Open Mic Put-Down. The National President of the Fraternal Order of Police demanded Thursday that Mayor Lori Lightfoot apologize to rank-and-file Chicago police officers and conduct herself with more dignity and less immaturity after Lightfoot was captured on an open mic calling their second vice president, quote, this FOP clown. Ben, you mentioned it earlier. Anything else you'd like to add before we move on to other no, pressing no, issues? No, no, we've talking about this all day. I do believe that Lori Lightfoot owes uh, Patrick Murray a decent apology. She should offer it. And I am waiting right now. Uh, I'm still waiting for Chuck uh, Canterbury to insist that Donald Trump apologize for all the mean, nasty things he said about law enforcement officials. Hold on, let me see. Yep, there he is. He's under the table. He's he's not coming out yet. So I guess we're going to have to wait for Canterbury to call on Donald Trump to apologize before Lori Lightfoot will apologize to Patrick Murray. So there you are. Now we're moving on, all right? Lori Lightfoot was a guest on WTTW Chicago tonight on Thursday. Once again, it was hosted by Paris Schutz. It's been a busy first two months for Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Yesterday, she scored a pair of legislative victories on some of her campaign promises, namely boosting workplace protections for Chicago employees and beefing up city council ethics rules. But the stubborn problems of crime and fiscal uncertainty remain front and center. We got to get this dude on the show sometime no, soon. No, we had him booked and then something came. Remember? Ed Burke. Oh, yeah. He was ready to come in and then he was God like, Damn it, Burke, you ruined it for everybody. Man, I'm really busy. I just can't make it. <laughs> Sorry. All right, now this interview is. <laughs> That's was, my parish shuts. Yeah, you need to work on it. This, this bad boy's about 24 minutes long, all right? We're oh, going to see how much of this we can play during today's show. Oh, yeah. We got Kenny D. Ken Davis coming on later. We'll play some of the interview for him as well. But let's begin. Parish shuts started his interview with Lori Lightfoot oh, with that guy who ruined our interview with. With him, the 14th Ward Alderman Ed Burke. Let's hear what Lori had to say. On uh, the ethics bill that passed yesterday, no more conflict of interest jobs right. for aldermen, uh, meaning Ed Burke has to choose between being a property tax appeal lawyer or having a stake in that company or being an alderman. Do you anticipate he'll comply with these new rules? Well, I have no idea whether he'll comply or not willingly, um, but the rules are very clear um, and we expect to enforce them aggressively. We can't continue to have a system where individuals who are elected officials or appointed officials put their own monetary interest ahead of the public's. And that's what that particular uh, part of the ethics reforms uh, is intended to get at. So does this mean he, he'll have to uh, divest from any economic relationship with that law firm if he wants to stay an alderman? Certainly, um, in the first instance, he can't himself represent any interests who are contrary. Um, and we'll uh, work with uh, the uh, ethics board to um, figure out the specific mechanics, but it is designed to go after people like Ed Burke and others who decide that um, they have to, they are going to put their own pecuniary interests ahead of the interests of the taxpayers. That's got to end. All right. I love it when she uses big words like pecuniary. That's a good word. Yeah, lost to me. Uh, and uh, she's absolutely correct. It's about time Ed Burke decided, chose between being a property tax lawyer and an alderman. So uh, give give up one. I say give up being an alderman. Uh, go back to the property tax business. That's just my opinion, young man. So. 
give him a, a grade here. How's Paris Shuts doing so far? Doing really well. You're doing in good. Paris. Yeah, but I I miss the Paris Rom interviews where like Rom would insult Paris. Paris would ask a question. Rom would duck and dodge. You notice Lori, Lori has this habit of directly answering a question like he asked her you know will ed burke give give up his position she goes i have absolutely no idea so she answered his question rob would start you know orating about i don't know the kembe matumbo or something all right now we're going to play one more clip here remember we're going to be playing this video throughout today's show do not worry a lot more to go but uh, this is the portion of the interview where we learned that maybe Ben Jarofsky's been thinking about that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood movie a little too much these days. We learned about an advisor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, it's embarrassing. Yeah, go ahead. All right, here's uh, Laurie on uh, uh, advisor and Will Met. Is it ethical that one of your advisors, a volunteer advisor, has skirted city residency rules and she lives in Wilmette? She has not skirted um, city residency rules, so I want to make that very clear. She's hired by an entity um, that doesn't have the same uh, residency rules, and she's providing um, advice and, and leadership to us. She's a person that I've known for a very long time, incredibly competent, um, helped on the Police Accountability Task Force, um, was very instrumental um, in our transition efforts, and is doing a lot to help us um, stand up this brand new administration. This advisor name is Lisa Schneider Faves, and, and the entity you're talking about is World Business Chicago, right. which is which is this public private agency. Mm -hmm. It's it's been free of any FOIA laws. The public mm -hmm. can't FOIA this agency to find out what people make or what it really does. D do you? want to change that? Yeah, we're, we're working on looking at that, looking at Navy Pier. Um, when taxpayer dollars are at stake, um, there's got to be more transparency, so, so, so stand by, but we're looking at making sure that those entities um, are much more transparent than they have been. So, so would you support uh, them being accountable to FOIA laws, to well, as public I said, records laws? As I said, we're looking at making sure that they are more transparent than they have been. <laughs> trying to pin her down. Uh, that's about all I'm going to say, Paris, so stop asking me that question. These reporters know that it's just like, you ask a question once, and they kind of duck and dodge and avoid it, then you ask it again, and they duck and dodge again. Or in her case, she pointedly said, I'm not going to answer it. Then you move on. It's like, and you could just say, uh, well, all right, I tried, now we're just going to move on. But anyway, uh, so yes, I have to make a confession. The update, <laughs> when Dennis told me that he was going to do this new uh, bit, I was like, what? Who? Folks, uh, Ramana Hussein is in the studio. I'm going to make a confession, Ramana, with you in the studio. I did not know about that story. I did not know about it. And here's the thing about people in the media. I've learned this. They feel compelled to know absolutely everything about everything. A knee-jerk reaction of pretty much anybody in the game of reporting is, oh, I knew that. You ask about anything. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. Yep. I knew that. Yep. Uh huh. I knew that because you're never. The story could have just come out two seconds ago. I knew that. In fact, I had an editor who will remain anonymous, uh, and um, so I would have conversations with this anonymous editor. Don't ask me who it is, D. Okay? okay. It's a long ago editor, and while I would be having conversations talking about something that happened long before this editor was born, <laughs> so there was no reason this editor would absolutely know. I could hear in the background that editor googling what oh yeah i knew that i knew that anyway i did not know 
Romana, I did not know that the Tribune wrote an article about Lisa Schneider Fabes is her name, an advisor, Lori Lightfoot, and she lived in Wilmette. All right. And so Parachutes apparently reads the Tribune a little oh, better than I reader. do. <laughs> he knew about it. Uh, did you know about it? Make a uh, you know, I, I feel like I read the headline, but I didn't read the story. I admit I'm one of those people. I'm one of those reporters who admits I don't know everything <laughs> and I don't know everything that happened. I remember when I first started off as a reporter um, at City News, I was sitting in City Hall and everybody's talking about all this stuff and. I only knew a little about what happened. They'd talk about the council wars. I'm like, oh, really? That happened? And so it was very eye-opening. I didn't know a lot about the city. I mean, even though I grew up, I was born in the city and grew up right outside of it. I yeah, well, that would have been ancient history, but uh, there, but no, but I'm just saying, no, now, no, no. Yeah. Even now, I mean, there's some, there's so many articles out there. Are you really going to read everything? Yeah. And as as, as an editor, I, I I don't like reading the papers. <laughs> more as much as i used to what huge confession i, from I read mine. i read the art sections all the time but because i do the hard news all the time i don't want to you read the break. paper yeah um all right now i have to tell you this when i've noticed this about the tribune whenever they make a reference to wilmette um they have a, a feel compelled to identify to identify wilmette in some way as a wealthy suburb yeah because I, I guess they, I don't know why they do that, but I, I think that's their, ba if the Tribune has a base, my guess it would be Wilmette. So why they feel compelled to identify there. Wilmette, you know what I'm saying? So they was like, so when I found the article, I dutifully went back and read the Tribune article where they identified Lisa Schneider Faves as living in Wilmette. They felt compelled to call it Tony North Tony, Shore yeah. suburb. Sometimes they call it Leafy. <laughs> if you just say North Shore, yeah. that's, how, that's pretty much wealthy isn't it although i have to say my brother lives in wilmette as i t I've mentioned before and there is a, i was people are making fun of me i'm like no it's a little more modest there's there are modest homes in wilmette there's the other there. side of the track yeah i know wilmette. so i always joke around that my brother lives in the rough rough the rougher rough side he had a starter house he actually moved to a nicer place but there are somewhat okay. affordable homes Time in out. Wilmette. There's but nothing wrong with living in Wilmette, no, okay? I like Wilmette. Shout yeah. out to our nice. Wilmette listeners. Yeah. Well, I like the North Shore. So. Yeah, I love the I North Shore. It. I'm yeah. from Evanston. And, uh, but it's funny because people, this is a whole thing about North Shore types. Uh, they, I, I was speaking to a, a person who grew up on the North Shore. His name will remain anonymous. <laughs> and he was, he was telling me, oh God, I can't stand it. It's so North Shore. I go, dude. You grew up on the North Shore. <laughs> you live in Evanston right now. What's the matter with the? Clearly, you have no problem with the North Shore. Oh, I've been called North Shore before, but I, I admit it. I have some North Shore tendency tendencies. I'm not going to. Well, that's the thing I find appalling, and and I've mentioned this to my husband Mick, who's not from Chicago. Yes, I said all these people who aren't from Chicago, suddenly they're the Chicago police and they're always making claims about, oh, that's that's not really the city, that's the suburbs. And I'm like, first of all, you grew up in some podunk town in the Midwest. And I'm like, first, and then they keep going on and on and on about it. I get lectures from people who like, have been in Chicago for a few years and they're telling me about Chicago and it's like, okay. Yeah. I know I don't look like I'm from here, but thanks. She's from here. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, no, I could go on about the whole Chicago identity, but let's move on to the obsessive yeah. news of the But day. a lot of people who grew up in the North Shore pretend they didn't grow up in the North Shore. All right, we have Ramana saying we're going to do the Ramana rundown. We have a whole list of things we're going to talk about when we return. 
Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. See the city from a whole new angle on a Chicago Architecture Center tour. With more than 85 tours to choose from, there are endless stories to discover. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm on a tour. Oh, my, what magnificent architecture. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. All right, listen up. Our friends and co-hosts at the Chicago Sun-Times are offering you, yes, you, the listener, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all of the stories that you love. Unlock every feature, video, and podcast just like the Ben Jarofsky show by signing up now for a digital subscription for a limited time. Only you, yeah, you, the listener can lock in our lowest rate yet. Only $29.99 for a full year of all the news that you need to know. Stay up to date on breaking stories. Get the deep dives and investigations from Sun Times reporters. Cheer for the big games with the best sports team in the city and go deep inside city hall with best in class political reporting. $29.99 for a full year of unlimited access. I looked online. I searched everywhere. You can't do better than that. Take advantage of this exclusive deal now at suntimes.com forward slash Ben. Now back to the Ben Jarofsky show live from the Chicago Sun-Times. All right. Very good. Ramana Hussein in the studio with me, Chicago Sun-Times editor. Every Friday she appears on the show. It's the Ramana Rundown. Let's start with Lori and the Fraternal Order of Police. We've been talking about this all day. We talked about it yesterday uh, in my beloved Bright One. There's an article, the chair, the president of the National Fraternal Order of Police has weighed in. He wants Lori Lightfoot to apologize uh, for offending law enforcement officers throughout Chicago because she was heard on mic calling uh, one person, one FOP uh, officer a clown. She actually responded again to his comments today and she said that she's done talking about it (laughs) and she reiterated that she was just sorry that her mic was on and she just said that there's bigger fish to fry in the city, which I think is definitely interesting it's, it's like she's not apologizing yeah and i from what i understand when fran first did the story fran spielman who covers city hall for the sun times um i think she kind of asked her like many ways like are you going to apologize and she kind of and she kept saying you know i'm just sorry that the mic wasn't on um i i just find it it's interesting i i, I can't be i can't say whether or not she should apologize as as a reporter but i just think it's fascinating that she's not apologizing yeah oh well ben can what do you say ben but i yeah go ahead but i i know i think it's definitely interesting and uh i don't think it's gonna this story is gonna die right away just because of all you know the fop definitely there's there's a kind of a shaky relationship between her and the fop leadership so it's gonna be interesting to see what comes out of this and um um i don't know just just you know hearing about it i i know one thing i can say is um you know her saying calling this uh, this attorney it was an attorney for the fop correct um well he's uh was uh was patrick he? murray patrick I murray yeah attorney. i think he was uh, oh he was the he, he was, was there to file chicago police officer oh, okay and he was there to defend uh the four officers that were recommended to be or were fired actually mm-hmm. by the police board um these are officers who um covered up for uh this is for Officer Jason Van Dyke, who, as we all know, was uh, convicted in the murder of Laquan McDonald. So, um, so when you know her mic goes off, she calls. She goes, "Oh, not this clown again!" She turns to the corporation counsel. I, I told someone. I mean, this is just my personal opinion. I said it could have been worse. 
there could have been comments or worse just from what we hear politicians call other people yeah in private when they don't know the mic is on yeah you know there's been presidents who've used racial slurs uh called other you know heads of states from other countries um certain words they're a lot more colorful so that's what that's what my opinion is i mean i'm not going to be lecturing anybody on either side but i do think it, it could have been worse yeah it could have been i remember jesse jackson got caught saying something uh really embarrassing it's a, it's in my head but i'm not gonna say it on the air oh i know he, he's saying. been caught a few times uh, with open mics and was uh, it the h word like, well no no that that yeah. that took place in the 80s that's a whole yeah. other story oh, okay. okay i'm talking about more recently about barack obama oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, oh and, no uh, no that happened when he was on cnn but i think he knew the mic was still on well that's part I, of me thinks that Lori lightfoot knew the mic was on when she said that <laughs> just say and I'm throwing a kick it into her head. Uh, but I believe she, kind of like this whole thing, you know, isn't that coincidence that she said that in front of the microphone? I don't know, maybe I'm being... Anyway, dead. sorry, I cut you off your talking. No, my point is, I've, I've said this all along, I think she should apologize. I think she should make it clear she's apologized. She's the mayor of the city of Chicago. She's not a candidate anymore and she's supposed to behave with a certain dignity uh, and you should be... Uh, open-minded about the way you treat the various people who come before you. This gentleman was speaking at the public uh, comment session of the city council. So I'm saying we need more civility from our mayor. That said, this is the point I've been making today. I'm waiting for the National Fraternal Order Police to condemn Donald John Trump for the all the uncivil things he says about oh, law yeah. enforcement officers like the FBI and James Comey and uh, Mueller who've been investigating him. He's been trashing them for over two years. I've not heard peep from the National uh, uh, fraternal order police on this issue so they pick and choose yeah which agree, public i agree officials. i'm surprised that you think that Lori should apologize oh absolutely i I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't think you would think that but no i believe but in I civility think, and part of our elected <laughs> officials <laughs> I, mean, I, I i think i i think you make a good point it's it's like some some groups want certain people to apologize and donald trump has said worse Every day, so, he says I know. Worse. Every, I was going to say it's not just law enforcement; it's everybody, yeah, except people that he likes yeah. or is friends with. I mean, somebody just pointed out um, how he want he's um, aggressively pursuing um, the the case of that one rock uh, rapper yes. who's friends with we Kanye. Rock. Yeah, Dennis loves ASAP Rock. And so, anyway, <laughs> I and you know, someone pointed out like why wasn't he that upset when the Saudi the uh, reporter in Saudi Arabia was murdered. Like, you know, people are just like, you know, well, you can't pick and choose. Like you're angry about this because it's affiliated with your friends yeah, or people you like, but everybody else is fair game for well, him. Well, that story broke. We were in, uh, in doing a show. Was, who was on the air? Oh, was Sergio was on, right? Uh, and DeFrance. DeFrance. We had Sergio and DeFrance, who are uh, people of the younger persuasion, way younger than me. And probably me. Uh, and uh, they, they, yes, they're both younger than you. Uh, and that story broke. I had never heard of Aesop Rocky. Pfft, big, big confession time there. But they were on that story. It was very, it was really good that I had like a young person in the studio that time. They knew all about it. And then I started reading about it. And clearly, that was... Oh, my God, D, I would love to play that. That was Donald Trump's attempt after one week of insulting, uh, a you know, uh, Ocasio-Cortez and uh, Ayanna Presley and Omar and Talib. After one week of to, to win back the black vote, <laughs> Kanye West came. I'm like, what a strategy. You know? That's what I was thinking, too. I'm like, he wants to appeal to the African-American crowd by doing this. Uh, and, 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 and he was... Uh, 
uh, he was very open about it. He goes, he started off by saying, my uh, African-American friends have been, <laughs> my, what African-American <laughs> my, friends do you it's have? Like, it's like people who always go, oh, well, my black friends and I have black friends. That's a common yeah, no. Opening anybody, for a lot, I know of, people a lot of people. Want to and my bigoted. Jewish friends, and my it's, it's just, just they should be your friends. Uh, all right, so let's move on to this editorial that was in my beloved Bright One today, and I thought it was a really good. I don't know who wrote it. Usually, I give credit to Tom McNamee. Uh, I just assume that Tom McNamee writes these editorials, but there's a whole group of people. Well, there's Tom McNamee, and there's Tom Frisbee, and then there's Lorraine Forte, and then Marlon Garcia. All right, let's give Lorraine who, Forte credit for yeah, this. Yeah, and Mar- Marlon Garcia um, is a uh, part-timer now i mean she kind of was before too but she's a little like she's just not in the office all the time but well she, she wrote does. a great column yeah uh, that marlon uh, genie eyes yeah, yeah genie eyes which is a great column let's talk about that for just two okay. seconds yeah, yeah yeah did you edit this one no i don't edit editorials oh. um the um editorial desk from what i understand uh chris fusco our editor-in-chief and he does he edits he i think he looks them over but i think a lot from i was on the editorial board for a short stint Mm -hmm. and we used to edit each other i see so i am sure that's a lot of that going on well marlene uh marlene garcia gets a columnist for the sun times it's in uh it's called right-wing agenda will doom ives bid for congress and uh it's all about Jeannie ives who of course ran for congress uh, ran for i guess browner right for governor running to the right of Rauner, if such a thing is possible is now challenging is running in the republican primaries for the right to challenge sean caston in the sixth congressional district and what's interesting and what marlon garcia points out is that uh, republican Jeannie ives has an extreme right-wing platform background and uh and yet she thinks that's the mainstream yeah, you, you know, and, and Marlon's trying to is pointing out that these suburbs are actually, if they're Republican, they're more to the center, and they're changing drastically. Yeah, as well. So it, but, but just she has to change her. She's saying that if she wants to even have a chance, she has to change her viewpoint, and she mentions the commercial that deeply disturbed um, both editorial boards. Chicago Tribune and the Sun Times. Yes, and and this gets in what I call the false equivalency between uh, extremists uh, on the right and uh, people moderates. So, for instance, uh, Republican Jeannie Ives wants you to think that uh, Sean Caston, who is a moderate Democrat, is an extremist because he believes in a woman's right to choose. Let's say, mm-hmm. yeah, as opposed to being. A moderate. Yeah. Most people in this country believe in a woman's right to choose. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So she wants you to believe that. That that's extreme. Extreme. Yeah. Her opinions are not extreme. Yeah. And then that commercial. I mean, I remember the commercial. I didn't even see the commercial. I only saw it like, I never saw it airing while I was watching TV. Maybe I wasn't watching too much TV when it aired, but um, I just remember seeing the commercial and like there, there's. You know, if you're not offended by one of the things that she showed, you're offended by the next one. So, oh, yeah, go well, back. some people were. How people, I, the, I, when you say commercial, I didn't click on, but. The, the commercial she had yeah. where there was, um, I think she had, there was a person that was like a, supposed to be a transgendered person. There was a quote unquote undocumented or probably called illegal immigrants. And they're just saying because of, you know. Bruce Rauner, I think, wasn't it because of Bruce Rauner, I be, I can use the women's bathroom. And it was like, it looked like a man yes. dressed like a woman. It was, I remember you know, this commercial. It's and then back, yeah. I, I, I forgot what it's, she said about the um, undocumented immigrants, but there was something about like, because of Governor Rauner, I can stay here. And yes. I don't know, I could be misquoting and, you know, commit crimes or something that, you know, that was falling in the line with what Trump says about certain groups of people. And so there was like, I think there was four or five, three or four like 
examples of this and i'm sure it didn't go it, uh, from what i remember it was like pretty controversial oh yeah I mean, it was it so was, horrible. i'm saying it was like yeah but to say i think a lot of people would argue that calling sean caston an extremist is completely different so yeah i think um i think marlon's uh editorial or column was pretty interesting all right so that was so. a tangent from what i really Sorry. wanted to talk about uh and i'll be talking about this uh for, with ken davis our guest coming up but uh the editorial about mike michael madigan i thought this was very well done whoever wrote it i'm gonna give lorraine forte credit even just, <laughs> let's, let's well, just one of the credit. toms well, somebody. You know, somebody that deserves credit for this uh because they did they sort of connected the dots that's what the headline says connecting the dots on madigan comet lobbyist and your electric bill uh and uh so this is the instance where house speaker uh michael madigan had an aide named kevin quinn who was accused of sexual harassment uh but, but this is back in 2018 or 2017 i'm losing track of time uh madigan yeah, under pressure fired him and then you finish the story go ahead yeah and then i guess uh he fired him three months after the accusations uh hit i think february you know once i think the media got hold of the story and then i and then um i admit i was i'm one of those reporters who read this recently it's like a few months later uh he madigan started getting checks from comed lobbyists and then Madigan said that he was going to, you know, he's like, well, I'm not going to stand for any sexual harassment in, you know, in, in Springfield. And I'm going to have somebody investigate this. And it turns out the person in and he said he wanted an independent investigator. And it turns out the person investigating it is a sister of, I, I believe, two of pe two of the people that gave checks. Yeah, for so, Com Commonwealth yeah. Edison lobbyists. Yeah, and so, and then, you know, the, the, the editorial starts off about, do you look at your monthly bill and ever think, how could it be so high? Yeah. And, and at the end, it said that, you know, maybe you should, um, if you think your electric bill is too high, you can always challenge it, and there's a number on the back, and it said, or send a check to Kevin Quinn, maybe that'll work. Yeah, so no, a little wise guy, yeah, good. very yeah. good ending. Uh, and, the, and the issue, of course, is whether uh, Madigan was doing two things at once. Is this possible? Uh, condemning the behavior yeah. of Kevin Quinn while engineering a fundraising effort to mm -hmm. help Kevin Quinn. How about that? Ken Davis is going to pose and think about that because he's going to be on the, the, the hot seat to answer that question. Uh, and I think, yes, this is me. I think Michael Madigan was doing two things at once. He's multitasking. Uh, he was condemning Kevin Quinn while uh, either looking the other way while yeah. he knew this fundraising attempt was going on a part of uh, Kevin Quinn. Chicago politics, Romana, uh, up to no good as always. All right, we need to, the time of the Romana rundown. We do a Smollett Gate update. What you got mm -hmm. for me? Well, this week... Um Sheila O'Brien, she's a retired federal, she's a retired, I think she's a federal, I forgot, retired judge yes. um, who had um, asked for a special um, independent, investiga independent investigator to look in to see how Kim Fox's office handled the Smollett case and mm -hmm. the dropping of the charges. Anyway, Jesse Smollett has uh, his two lead attorneys, or now I think they're the sole attorneys, are California-based uh, Tina Glandian and Mark Garagos. Mm -hmm. I think that's how you pronounce Very his good. name. Uh, she's saying that they're not licensed to um, practice in Illinois. So these two attorneys had filed, the judge, Judge Michael Tuman, had ruled in favor of having a special investigator, special, um, uh, yeah, special investigator looking into this, or special prosecutor, I should say. And uh, so the up, so then these, uh, these two attorneys, Smollett's attorneys filed um, some motions 
basically objecting to uh, the special prosecutor looking into this or special investigator looking into this. And so Sheila O'Brien filed these motions, this that motion this week saying that they're not licensed. And so those attorneys fired back yesterday and Sheila O'Brien filed more motions in response to their motions. And so now these attorneys are just saying that, you know, Tina Glandian said even a day before uh, Sheila O'Brien had filed her um, motion saying that they're not licensed in Illinois, she said she contacted the Illinois Attorney Registration and Disciplinary Commission and said, you know, do we need more paperwork to represent them? So they're standing, they're saying that we can represent Jesse Smollett in Illinois. Mm -hmm. And so that's the latest. I think the next uh, court hearing on this matter, the special prosecutor matter, is July 31st. July so 3rd. that's, I think that's Wednesday next week. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, Justice Smollett fired back uh, last week. We talked about that briefly. Uh, it is truly extraordinary uh, declaration. He's sticking to his guns that he was mugged. Uh, and now, now he's saying that the, the um, that there was that the two brothers, the, the Nigerian brothers, mugged him because uh, they are anti-gay. That that's it's so it's not really a MAGA hat thing anymore. It's not a Trump thing. But they did say that there was a white person involved. <laughs> there was some not white guy. Say, yeah, there was. That's what. That's what the. Um, I think there was a white guy yeah, standing white in the guy. background yeah. directing them. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, mug that one. <laughs> no, no, there was some white guy in the general area. There was a white guy over there. Oh well, it must. Be mega hat. He's a white guy. Looked a lot like Ken Davis, I might add. So, uh, the um, oh, I told Lord. you one of the one of the brothers works out at my gym, and I saw him like two weeks ago. I told you I texted yeah, you, yeah, no, and yeah, I'm like, you did, you I looked did. at him, and I was like, that's him. He was like working out on one of the machines, and I told you when I, I take an interval training class, and and the um, one of my instructors is of Nigerian descent and is young, and I'm like. And I asked him, I go, I hate to be like presumptuous, but do you know one of these brothers or do you? And he told me, he goes, no, one of them goes to the gym. So I saw the other guy and I go, isn't that one of the brothers? <laughs> and so now I have my cards in my car. And so I'm ready. Like if I see him again, go, I know you guys aren't talking, but if you want to talk, yeah, here's my here card. I am, Ramana. So I'm saying there's connections with this case everywhere you go. Uh, that is, yeah, that's pretty funny. Even at the gym, you can't get away from it. All right. Ramana Hussein, weekend tips. What are you going to see this weekend? Um, I don't know if I'm going to see any movies this weekend because I have a wedding to attend. But the next movie I do want to see is, uh, if I had to pick, it'd probably be the Quentin Tarantino movie, which I know you saw. Um, I, I I like some of Quentin Tarantino's movie. Quentin Tarantino's movies. I think I think one of my favorites is probably The Reservoir Dogs. It was a remake. And I like Kill Bill. Those are like my wow. top i know everybody likes pulp fiction now and look back i think it was a little overrated sometimes he kind of annoys me like i just think he's just so gratuitous so i don't know i i was wondering what your opinion was i mean i do like leonardo dicaprio and i like brad pitt well let so me just say I am this fans. we are having a total quentin tarantino geek fest next wednesday in the studio we'll do a bonus feature we got three tarantino geeks will be in the studio uh sergio mims will be in the studio chris adams who's a movie maker from the south side of chicago will be in the studio uh and a uh, chris buddy who's a movie maker from the north side of chicago will all be in there and they're all tarantino freaks cool. they've all been assigned the homework of seeing the movie i did my homework early it opened last night i was right there 
at a movie theater. One of my this was not too quick, far from where it was. Not too far from up. where you were married and where yeah. you grew up. Uh, it's in my humble opinion. It's that, that one in Lincoln Village. Right? Yeah. It's, okay. uh, no, it's is it is that what it's called? Lincoln Village. Well, it's I don't know. Like no, not Lincoln Road. Village. It's like in, it's technically Niles, but it's is it by like all these. Stores? I thought it was Skokie. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's like, yeah. it, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just got great sound. And this is what I'm saying out there, folks. You got to hear this movie. The sound in this movie is so good. The music is so good. The way he incorporates the songs from the 60s with the action, I just, I found that really great. So it's really good to hear the music really clearly, but the dialogue, there's some scenes, Romana, classic Quentin Tarantino movie. There's a lot of scenes, okay? It's a long movie. Some scenes you'll like, some scenes you won't like that much, (laughs) but uh, it's really important to hear it clearly. So anyway, I saw Did you watch The Farewell yet? Have not seen The Farewell. I I saw that. And thumbs I up. Thought, yep, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah, that's yeah. on my list. No, of but things. I do want to see. I do want to see the Tarantino movie just because it's getting. I think it's pretty much gotten pretty good reviews. Not to say that that means I'm going to like it, but I do want to see it. Well, I haven't wanted to see one of his films in a, I, at the last couple that he made. I wasn't super excited about it, oh so I God. haven't. I oh no, Hateful Eight was no good. I I didn't like Reservoir Dogs. In fact, I, you don't my, like Reservoir no, Dogs. No, hated Reservoir Dogs. In fact, I I had sworn off. Uh, Quentin Tarantino after I saw Reservoir Doors and it was the Jackie Browns my favorite Quentin Tino Quentin I don't Tarantino. think I ever saw that one oh. but everybody <laughs> leave the studio run I know everybody told me, I think I saw bits and pieces of it but oh, I heard it was really very good, good. Flick. that's your assignment for next week and then all next show we're just going to talk about Jackie Brown I could talk about Jackie Brown forever anyway uh, enough talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, again on Wednesday we'll be having the deep dive uh, Quentin Tarantino you're more than welcome I already invited Maureen O'Donnell oh yeah, yeah. yeah. She, we talk movies all the time yeah. she, she listens to my recommendations I listen to hers so. yeah she really knows movies but so. she's really down on Quentin Tarantino but Maureen I know you're listening we discussed this actually yes in the you did yeah. no with Maureen, I discussed why we don't like him. Yeah, because I heard the same thing for the two of you. It's a, I told her the same thing I told you. Stop reading articles about the movie and go see the movie. <laughs> anyway, that's me and Quentin Tarantino. All right, Ramana Hussein, have a great weekend. We'll see you on Friday, and I will see The Farewell, and you'll see Quentin Tarantino's yep. movie. All right, very good. Thanks. Young Kenneth Davis is on deck. We're going to bring him on, on when we return. And for the record, I love puppies. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind, but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. 
three things. The first one is a hostile foreign government attacked our 2016 election for the purposes of helping Donald Trump get elected. Right. Part two, candidate Donald Trump welcomed the help. Yeah. Part three, when the federal government tried to investigate part one and part two, Donald Trump did everything he could to derail, stop, halt, obstruct mm -hmm. that investigation. Right. That is a violation of the law. Mm -hmm. yeah. If he were anyone other than President of the United States, mm -hmm. he would be in handcuffs yeah. and indicted. And Mueller served that up and mm -hmm. says, basically, by the time you get to the end of the report, there are all the facts, multiple examples mm -hmm. of obstruction of justice. I can't indict. Right. It's up to Congress. Mm -hmm. and I came up to the same conclusion, yes. Senator. Oh, wow. So I read that and I thought, you yeah. know, I didn't take an oath to support Donald Trump. I took an oath to support the Constitution of the... Hey, playing now at Steppenwolf Theater, the world premiere of Ms. Black for President. It's inspired by the true, that's true as in it really happened, T-R-U-E story of Joan Jett Black, America's first drag queen presidential candidate. You know who created it, D? No. It was created by Tony nominee Tina Landau. Oh. And you know who else created it? No. Oscar winner Terrell Alvin McCraney. You know him. Moonlight. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. For tickets, visit Steppenwolf.org. That's Steppenwolf, like the rock group from the 60s, Hang tight, millennials. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, July 26th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and helping bring back the Ben Jarofsky show. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. A big giant thank you to those unions for jumping on board and helping bring back our program. And of course, today's show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. Thank goodness it is Friday, July 26th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, it's the return of former host of Chicago Newsroom and dear friend, Kenny D. Ken Davis. He brought his own sign. Pretty cool. And it's the Ben Jarofsky Show debut of Benny J. Show Superfan. The one, the only, JGT, John Gleason, Teske. And now your host, once upon a time in Hollywood, super fan, <laughs> Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed. Ken Davis is in the studio. He's wearing his Quentin Tarantino t-shirt. He's all set to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a movie he's not yet seen, but he's willing to talk about it, just like every other journalist in town. I've not seen the movie, but I read an article about it, so now I'm going to talk about it. Does that irritate you as much as I, it irritates me? I, I, I have decided to do all of my responses in... Mueller, <laughs> kind of like that. I was wondering what that was. Ah, huh? I can't hear you. True. Huh? That's True. your Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller, that's a pretty good impression, right? That's correct. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's correct. All right, we'll bring on young Kenneth. But what do you got for me, D? All right, more from Lori Lightfoot Chicago Tonight interview coming up. But first, we have an update in the national news. Oh. Joe Biden, you scrappy silver fox, you. <laughs> 
Joe Biden's presidential campaign stuck it to Trump on Twitter today. The president complained about a poll showing him losing in a potential matchup against the former vice president. Now, Trump initially slammed Fox News for even discussing the network's latest poll. What are you doing? Which found Biden leading Trump by 10 points, 49 percent to 39 percent in a hypothetical face off. Here's the tweet from Donald Trump. Let me uh, see if I can get the ukulele here. Hang tight with me, everybody. Hold on. We got we got to bring the, you know, the bit here to the show one second second here okay all right i can't find it i'll just read it in regular trump voice the fact that the fact that i've gone through a three-year vicious witch hunt perpetrated by the lamestream media in collusion with crooked and the democrat party there can be no way all caps no way with the greatest economy in u.s history that i could be losing to the sleepy one Keep America great. <laughs> the sleepy one. Call them the sleepy one. And here's the response from Team Joe Biden. I don't have a Joe Biden impression, so I'm just going to read it as Dennis. At real Donald Trump, we know you love the polls. We're glad you saw the latest from Fox. Biden 49%, Trump 39 You're losing by 10 have a nice day. Oh, <laughs> Joe Biden. All right. The sleepy one. Uh, Ken Davis. Yes, uh, sir. First of all, uh, I have a question. The poll was 49 to 39, 49 for Biden, 39 for Trump. Now, admittedly, I'm not Dan Biss when it comes to mathematics. And who is? I mean, not even Dan Biss is not Dan Biss anymore. <laughs> but if I add 49 and 39, it does not reach 100. So that oh, means, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're Hold learning on. stuff today, guys. Hold on, let me do oh that, Oh, my math. God. I, and here I was thinking it was all over. So you're telling me there's still undecided people out there with Donald John Trump? Is that what the, Do you believe that? Or do you think those people are lying to the pollsters? Yes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. True. Which is it's no. not a yes or no, no question. No, no. I, I decided some time ago. I've made a couple of decisions since the last time I saw you, Ben. Yeah. I, my number one decision is that um, nobody knows, that, that nobody's telling the truth to the pollsters. I mean, that's always been true, but it's especially true now. And this is why I, I was one of the people you were disparaging when you said, ah, everybody was sending me this article. From this. <laughs> I was one of them. We'll talk I about would that like article. to think I was one of the first. But... The yeah. whole thing about this question of whether Donald J. Trump is going to win the next election, mm-hmm. because even if it's even if it's 17 million people uh, more vote for whoever the Democrat is, he still wins the Electoral College. I think a big, big, big part of what's going on with polling is that, you know, he never gets above 39, 40, 42, 43 percent. You know, we've, we've seen all that before. But what's not included is the 18% of people who are 100% with him, but would never tell a pollster that. So you and think I, it's that high? Oh, I, I think it's huge. Yeah, I really do. Well, I, I, and again, I, I, have, I have no independent research to back this up. So, I don't have my own polling well, institute. I'm just, this is just... Just a, winging it. Well, you know, this is why, this is, this is why the Ben Jarowski <laughs> show exists, is for, is for people like me to come on and just flap their jaws about stuff. Damn straight. But, yeah. but I... I believe this. I believe this in yeah. my heart. And you know, I heard the. I heard your heartfelt. Um, you know, taking a part of the article. Yeah, a couple of days ago, whenever it was. Um, All right, that you talk about the Nate Cohen article. Na- yeah, we'll, Nate get Cohen article. we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. And I just, I just 
thought, well, the thing that you're not taking into account here is all the people who are just flat out lying. Well, yeah, and absolutely, and they're not going to be lying yeah. on behalf of the Democrats. That it's the it's the it's the Republicans and the and the Trumpsters who are going to be lying, yeah. and there are lots of them. Okay, no, that and so <clears throat> therefore, then you, you can't believe any public opinion. All right, let's just back right. up uh, a bit. I didn't uh, mean to hijack the conversation. No, that's fine. I <laughs> conversations, <laughs> man. That's fine. That's what we do it on the show. All right. Uh, yes, indeed, you were one of many, many people. People sent me that article. It was uh-huh. an article by Nate Cohn, right. and uh, he is, I don't know what his title is. He's like the numbers geek for the New York Times. He replaced Nate Silver, as I like to point out. Apparently, you have to be named Nate to get that right. job. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so Nate Cohn came out with a, an article, an analysis, about a week ago, last weekend, I believe it was, in which he said that uh, Donald Trump will probably lose the election by a greater margin than he did against Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. and popular vote, popular but vote. Uh, he will probably there's he could win the uh, the re- get reelected because electoral college uh, is in his favor. The map is in his favor, and then mm-hmm. he did this incredible deep dive right. into all these polls in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, and Florida, <clears throat> and Florida. Yeah. And uh, I brought on David Ferris, the political yes. scientist, <clears throat> who ripped it to shreds. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has his own rebuttal, which I urge everybody to read. We should put it on our uh, Facebook page uh, where he takes. Nick Cohen does. Uh, no, Ferris has his rebuttal to Cohn. Yeah, Sorry, the analysis like said, okay, and pulling yeah, it apart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Cohn is just... Cohn's glad that we're talking about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just get the name yeah, right, as you right. yeah, 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 let's get the name right. We'll get yeah. into that, too. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, so that's the point you're making. And, yes, you're absolutely correct. And this, I call this the Dennis theory. Uh, Dennis has stated all along that people are embarrassed to say they're for Trump. Oh, God, So they yes. won't admit they're for Trump, and they'll say they're... So, it's like how many people read Playboy magazine in 1985 or uh, something like yeah. that? Yeah, well, I only read it uh, for the articles. <laughs> of course. Uh, well, that's what I said, yeah, read. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I only got about... I, don't know, I didn't read it that much, just maybe uh, once a month. But uh, anyway... Uh, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> Dennis liked that one. Yeah, I got a laugh out of oh, Dennis. It's like that noise you made. <laughs> <laughs> He <laughs> was like, just fond memories of all that reading. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. By the way, there's a scene. Can I just say this? Oh, Once upon a time in Hollywood at yeah. the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. Great scene, if yeah. I may say. Yeah. Shot right. at what? In what year? What year was the scene? Yeah. To, with yeah. the year, uh, 1969. 1969. That's yeah. okay. Okay. Uh, I, I, I thought that I thought that was a trick question. No. When you were saying <laughs> when did he shoot the scene? Like, how the hell would I know? <laughs> I, apparently, I, I don't know. Last year, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah, the theory is that they just lie, lie, lie. Now, what I don't know is are they lying about being undecided? And they're really going to vote for Donald Trump, or are they lying about being against Donald Trump? No, they're they're saying they're undecided. Okay, so the undec- just give the undecided vote to Donald Trump. Yeah, I would give almost all of it to Donald Trump. Okay, because if you are a, um, you know in your heart that you're basically a narrow-minded racist, and that you actually love what he's saying, but you don't quite have the nerve to go to one of his rallies, but you know you want him to be your president, and then you get this phone call and saying, "Hi, we want to know." What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I can't make up my mind. <laughs> I like the imitations. That's very good. Hello. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so then you just lie. Yeah, you just say, I can't make up my mind. So um, now I have to say, uh, Ken Davis was the one who predicted Trump would win 2016. Well, thanks a lot, Ken. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. <laughs> and, you know, it, look, if, if you're, if you're a, an Elizabeth Warren guy, girl, yeah. if you're a, even a Joe Biden guy, girl, ben. somebody calls you up and says it. <laughs> 
you know, you're going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm for Biden. I'm for the, the, There's not going to be any equivocation about it. It's only Trump that, that people don't want to admit. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, so then it's a very close uh, election. That's what Closer de- than it looks, anyway. Yeah, closer. All right, so uh, maybe Cohen's right. Although, again, I, uh, uh, half the people that sent me the, uh, the article were like, Ben, gloom, doom, just jump off a building right now. <laughs> and the other half were pointing out that the headline didn't match the map. Yeah, the other. Okay, that. so there were yeah. those people. Yeah. Ben, did you notice the map yeah. and the yeah. headline? You know, yeah. yeah, you're right. Look, look, Cohen's just making it up as it goes along, too. You well, think? we all are. Yeah, we all are. But he has some numbers. Yeah, he has some numbers. I can make up some numbers, too. <laughs> all right, let's get down to some business here. Uh, I have to tell you, I, I said this on the air, but I, I didn't do a very good job of saying it on the air, Ken, because I got distracted by a dentist insisting I do my Ken Davis imitation. <laughs> let's, let's hear that imitation, by the way. I, I, you know, so good. No words. I, I got to say, I, I don't think it's fair. I mean, I, I you know, I just, I, oh, I don't know. We love you, dude. Ken Davis doing his Ben Jarofsky imitation of Ken <laughs> now you're going to hear Dennis do his imitation of Ben doing Ken. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so I had my Ken Davis moment. Yes, you I did. Never, I never explained what it was. Yeah. So why don't you tell people what the original Ken Davis moment was that took place on your show? Go. Very briefly, I, um, I quit doing the show. <laughs> Congratulations to all of us. And um, uh, I had written to Lori Lightfoot, who had been on my little TV show four times, four like one hour long conversations about policing and all that kind of stuff. It was really good conversations. And I wrote to her and said, you know, congratulations on winning. I'm going to do my last show on your, I think it was third day in office. What would be the chances that you would do that show? And her people wrote back immediately and said, yes, we'll do it. So I thought, how cool is that? That's the, you know, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, then we got an, uh, some other division of the press office sent me a notice <laughs> saying, no, she's not going to do it. And yeah. I just assumed she wasn't. And then the day before I get a call saying, okay, we're all ready. You can come over to, you know, she's going to do it in her office. So we had to scramble and go over there and do the show. Wait, and, Tim, I, let's forget. You're forgetting my yeah, favorite yeah. part of the story. Someone what? was scheduled somebody, to be on. Somebody else was booked once he realized that Lori Lightfoot oh, wasn't going to show yeah. up. Who, who was, was that person? From, it was, it, was it from the Sun-Times? Was it... Was it uh, <laughs> Where's hats? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was it... Uh, who could it have been that was I, so all nice All right, okay, Ben, all right. Do, do we have to tell this? <laughs> if I come on the show 20 more times, I have to tell this story every single time. So I called Ben and I said, oh, Ben, listen, I'm leaving, and you, you're the guy who's done the most shows with us, and I'd love to have you on the last show. In fact, there's nobody I'd rather have That's what he said. on my last show. And then a day later, <laughs> then, uh, about that nobody I would I'd rather have, uh, well, Lori Lightfoot said she'd come on, so beat it. As though you wouldn't have done the same thing to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't okay. think I, I would have spared you the uh, nobody I would want more. I, I might have spared you that. Yeah. I would have probably been like, I'm really desperate. I need you to come on the show. All right. All right. So, so that, that was a tangent. So, yes, that was a tangent. So we start doing the show and it's, a, it's you know, it's a pretty good show. I, I'm kind of proud of it. It was, it was the last thing we did. And at one point, I, I take absolutely no credit for this occurring. I just said to her, you know, well, one of the things that's definitely on your plate, you know, is the FOP. You guys are going to have to sit down and negotiate a contract. And obviously, you're not exactly friends. How is this going to work? Mm-hmm. And... To my astonishment, she just took off on this thing about, well, you know, I've heard these rumors that the police, this was right before Memorial Day, that, you know, that they're going to not, that they might not do full policing and all this, that and the other. 
And I just reacted like probably anybody else would be as the first human being who'd ever heard her say that, just saying, do you actually really have evidence that that's happened? And she says, no, but I think it did, or something like that. Anyway, I... I put it out, you know, on, on our little tiny social media thing that she had said this. Nobody saw it. <clears throat> and then um, somehow or other, I don't even remember exactly how it happened, but, uh, um, you know, it, it, somebody from the BGA, I think it was, right? I think it was the BGA. The, the BGA, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So from the BGA uh, actually got hold of it and then started running this tape. And the next thing I know, this thing is all over the place <coughs> and it's credited to all the, just the number of ways they describe <laughs> our show. It was ridiculous. It's my favorite part of the whole thing. And my favorite was that she did it on the city's cable channel. Yeah, which, you know, I know that. No, that, that was like, <laughs> she said it on the city's cable yeah. channel. Like it was a public pronouncement. Right. Right. I'm going to take the public yeah. airwaves yeah. Yeah. and, Denounce the FOP. It was the Ken Davis show, okay? Yeah. So anyway, that's what happened. So I had a little, I had a tiny little moment of near fame uh, on the very last of 400 shows. So that's how that worked. And your reaction with typical Ken Davis, he was a little embarrassed by it all. Yeah. The attention it was called. Yeah. Because some media outlets did say the Ken, well, they never called, they would have called it the Ken Davis show. Chicago, Chicago News. News. I forgot yeah. what it's called. got the name already. Yeah, didn't you? well, yeah. I never knew the name because yeah. yeah. I kept calling it the Ken <laughs> Davis show, which it should have been. No one ever listens to me. Uh, and uh, so you were embarrassed by it. And the story. Well, I wouldn't say embarrassed. I just didn't really feel like I wanted to publicize it very much because I thought that she had made a real misstep by saying that. And I didn't, frankly, want to be part of the machine that publicized that. Ah, I just, I you see. know, I just like I was I wasn't trying to hide it, but. <clears throat> You know, I wasn't out there like banging the drum saying, wait, you hear what Larry Lightfoot said? You know? <laughs> well, you put it out, I, out there, you know what I yeah, mean? I put uh, it out there to nobody. But The yeah. woman doth protest too much. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, uh, Shakespeare, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, so uh, the story has legs. And we've been talking about it all day today, uh, Apology Gate, mm-hmm. where Lori Lightfoot is continuing to have a spat with the Fraternal yeah. Order Police. And uh, and so, yeah, you know, just the other day in the city council, when the gentleman rose uh, to address her and talk about how the need for Lori Lightfoot to uh, negotiate a contract with the Fraternal Order of Police, she said off mic, oh, there's that FOP clown. Yeah. And then the reporters, you know, she was on a hot mic, so they want her to apologize. She came up with a non-apology apology, which is <laughs> a joke. Uh, and so then now today, the um, the head of the National Fraternal Order of Police is weighed in. He's outraged. Uh, that Lori Lightfoot would say these things. He's just outraged. He's outraged, you know, but as I like to point out, he's not similarly outraged when Donald Trump (laughs) trashes law enforcement, (laughs) as he does all the time. Uh, But (laughs) when they do these stories... They have to recount. Well, this is not mm-hmm. the first time that Lori Lightfoot right, right. Uh, has, <laughs> anyway, has legs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and they go, and then they'll have the whole litany, right. and then what? There somewhere, uh, yeah. she said. Now they don't even mention the show. I mean, right. they're just like she said on right. TV yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, uh, so what do you think? Should she, should she apologize? I was going to ask you the same question. I'll I'll go first. I don't think so. I think that I think that what she said was uh, it had integrity. She said, "Well, I did say that." And um, I'm sorry that it got that it was. I said it out loud. I'm sorry that you heard it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I I think there's something very refreshing about that. Look, we know how she feels about these guys, and we know how they feel about her, and they are going to have to sit across the table and talk. But you know what? 
it might make for a more interesting conversation. It might be more honest. Mm. They all know they they've said what they think of each other. Well, I have already stated you were on route here, so you didn't hear it. I mm-hmm. think she should do a legitimate apology. I believe that we need more civility uh, in politics these days, and that Donald Trump is not the 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 representative that you should emulate. So uh, I believe that mayors of the city of Chicago, for instance, should not trash the Fraternal Order of Police just on a knee-jerk level. They shouldn't trash the Chicago Teachers Union. Sometimes Mm -hmm. she goes into that direction. Mm -hmm. And I happen to have more friends in the Chicago Teachers Union than I have in the Fraternal Order of Police, but I believe in some level of civility. Uh, And so that's why I keep saying I would like to see the head of the National uh, Fraternal Order of Police apply the same standards to Donald Trump uh, in his calls for civility that he does to Lori Lightfoot and he refuses to do that. So I just think there's a double standard there uh, that Donald Trump gets to get away. We just got finished saying it. All these people love Donald Trump. They're, they may be embarrassed to admit it, but they love when Donald Trump rips Mueller, right, rips right. Comey, <clears throat> right. rips FBI agents, you know, and he's under, under, I mean, we just saw this article. I, this is unbelievable. I, 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 I can't even get the word. I, 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 the Senate <laughs> won't spend money to uh, protect yes. our <clears throat> electoral, our, our voting machines from well, being hacked. But, but did you read the second paragraph? Did you see why? Because they think the president's already done more than enough to protect the voting integrity <laughs> of the country. So why spend more yeah, money? Right. I believe that's nothing. what Mitch McConnell said on his way out the door. Yes, yeah, that's we're what fine. he said. Yeah, yeah, we're fine. We're okay. So where's the fraternal order police in that? Here's they want the, the Democrats want to spend more money on law enforcement yeah. you know protecting the voting yeah. machines is kind of law enforcement. so all right so i let's not waste a lot of time on this but but what if you were in that situation and you have strong opinions about people and if, if someone heard you say on an open mic something that you really regretted saying what would you say would you say I'm sorry that I said that on an open mic. I'm sorry that you heard me say that. Or would you say, I'm sorry I have that opinion of you? I mean, how do you apologize for well, that? Okay, for what is the appropriate apology? Thank you for asking me that question. You're welcome. Thank you. God, thank you for asking me that question. The real issue is what do you feel in your heart that you feel you should apologize for? So for instance- in she, this, she said that. She said, I apologize for the fact that I said it out loud. And 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 I think that's- um, in not that's not strong enough in this particular case because this gentleman patrick murray who is a representative of the fraternal order of police mm-hmm. in the city of chicago was participating in, in a, a public at a public yeah, meeting yeah. this uh, we sued for the right as right, citizens right. of the city of chicago to address our mayor true and we come before our mayor uh, like a subject's coming before the king. Correct. And we're allowed, that's the great thing about democracy. We're allowed to go, fa- the greatest believer in this was our mutual friend, Richard M. Bailey, every year <laughs> held those budget hearings. I love yeah. those budget yeah. hearings because yeah. he sat there and he allowed, and somehow or other, Richard M. Bailey got through every single one of those budget hearings without calling someone a clown. And so you as the mayor of the city of Chicago. I personally heard him ask one day, where'd you come from? Where'd you park your spaceship? Did he? I missed that one. (laughs) Oh, he used to attack people all the time. Uh, I remember at the, the, not the South Shore here. He used to let, um, what was his, uh, George uh, Lank, uh, what's his last name? I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Blakemore. Blakemore. Crash him. Mm -hmm. He goes, laugh and give him more. And then they they always have the budget director who was like, had the clock. 
Oh, the two minutes is up, Mr. Blake. But give him more time. <laughs> so anyway, I just think it's inappropriate. But we digress. For, yeah, we I just think it's inappropriate for the mayor uh, to be disrespectful to a citizen who is exercising his First Amendment protected right. Uh, that's just me. So, so then the apology is something like, I disrespected you in a yeah. public place yes. and I shouldn't have done that. And I apologize yes. for my misstep. Yes. And, uh, and that was inappropriate of me. But don't think for a minute that I don't think you're yeah. a clown. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you think I'm a clown? <laughs> well, it's a, you have to FOIA for that information. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but then, I mean, you can't have it two ways. You can't call for more civility in public spaces when it comes to Donald John Trump and then be uncivil. That's what I'm saying. It's good enough. That's for the Democrats. And it's also for the National Fraternal Order Police. Can I say one last thing? Go ahead. Say more. (laughs) I forgot what I was going to say. Never mind. (laughs) No, I I do think there's a difference between something being accidental and something being intentional i mean it's and and when it's accidental it's it's just very difficult to apologize for you know i mean i it's like if i if i stood on mike and said to somebody oh you're just a clown and then later regretted what i said i would say you know i really regret that i did that and i i apologize to you for it but it's a, it was a but people uh, Many times you say something that you regret and the real, what you really should look in on yourself is I had this feeling it's inappropriate. I mean, to call him a clown just because you disagree with him. You're the mayor of the city of Chicago and somebody stands up and says, this is my position. And that person has a right to say that. So when you say, oh, he's a clown just because what? He disagree with him. Disagree with him. Yeah, Yeah, that I just think that's inappropriate for the mayor of the city of Chicago. Okay, and I got a news for you, folks out there, people who like. Oh yeah, I'm glad she did it. If she had done it to somebody that you liked Mm. or somebody that you believed with, you'd be upset. (laughs) You wouldn't be happy about it. I didn't. Well, yeah. Okay, I I I wasn't saying that I that I. that, that you I, agree that the guy that was I, a clown. Right, right. All right. Yeah. But you know what? You're probably right about that. And and in the I was listening yesterday to the the last um the last the question time for with Theresa May and uh, <laughs> yes. and uh, oh my god, they go oh at it there. My they god. no apologies that is there. Some of that is some of the most yes. wonderful exchange in the English language. And at the end of this, after they had been clubbing each other for like 15 minutes, Theresa May says, you know, I do want to say this is my last time tangling with uh, Mr. Isn't my name just dropped out of my mind, Corbin, Jeremy yeah. Corbin. And um, I know that he too is a, a public servant, as am I. And I thank him for his service. And uh, and also, I think I have had the goodwill to good sense to leave, and he should do the same. <laughs> and that's how the end. But you know, uh, but it, it ended. It, it ended with a note of civility, and yeah. I think that is so cool. Yeah, no, so English. They, no, I that's so English, and I do like uh, how they do that, where they get up and trash each other, but then <laughs> they end it with the civility. Rip each other apart. D, did you have something you wanted to say, young man? Uh, I was just going to remind you because we do have uh, Lori Lightfoot's Chicago tonight. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, you want to play a little piece of that? Yeah, sure. We got uh, I think Set two minutes up. and fifty two seconds seconds into it like i said we're just gonna play it and see how far we get here now uh, this is is this about the thing with the uh oh, i couldn't uh, tell you i'm just gonna hit play oh, well i mean as a, as a quick setup i mean um 
Tony Preckwinkle, you know, they had the whole exchange of letters and everything. And um, this was really kind of interesting because she, Lori Lightfoot says, and I think that's probably what you're gonna, is gonna, she's going to say here, is that she had been talking with and meeting with Tony Preckwinkle all the way up to when that letter came out and nothing was ever said about it. And then suddenly this letter is released in a kind of a public way. So she felt really jackpot. I see. I, don't, I actually oh. don't know if that's what that's he's going to play. That's the setup. I hope <laughs> it is. Here we go. Hey, also, yesterday, uh, landslide victory in another legislative initiative of yours, the Fair Workweek Ordinance, <laughs> where this is, this employers now have to give workers a 10-day notice of their schedule. How did you assuage the concerns of safety net hospitals who say we need to be able to call in people in an emergency, um, you know, every hour? Well, I, I think we did it in a couple of ways. Look, first of all, this is a landmark and historic piece of legislation. This has been uh, worked on for two and a half years by certain business interests, certain labor interests, but they got stuck. Um, and, it, and it looked like it was not going to go move forward in April before um, I took office. So we rolled up our sleeves. We knew that this was something important. And this piece of legislation covers two big industries that no place else in the country does, which is um, hospitals and manufacturing. Um, but it was a lot of work um, and making sure that we gave voices that hadn't been part of the back and forth an opportunity um, to have a seat at the table. I, my hat's off to uh, our friends at Organized Labor, but also the business community. And particularly, I want to say, um, Chairman Sue Garza did a yeoman's job in really navigating a lot of different and competing interests. The safety net hospitals, we talked a lot with them about um, their precarious um, economic status. And really what's at heart there is they have not had an increase in Medicaid reimbursement rates in 15 years. So I committed to work with them um, at the state level and the federal level to change that um, those economics around to make sure that they're actually getting funding that, that's important to them in a timely fashion so they can take care of um, those who um, are sick and infirm but are on the uh, lower end of the economic scale. And we scale. should mention their concerns with this was that they'd have to pay penalties and fines as much as $30 million a year um, to call people in at the last minute. Will they still have to pay these yeah, look, fines out? Uh, they're going to be... Revised Ordinance? They will be subject to um, the, the penalties, but obviously we're going to work with them. We've given them additional time to implement the necessary changes to build the um, infrastructure. Um, and we recognize that hospitals are different, um, and so that's going to be part of the calculus. The one thing that's important is we built in a review period, so we're going to be looking at data um, and how this um, legislation is being implemented mm. um, from both the worker uh, perspective but also the employer uh, perspective. And if we need to go back in um, and tweak it to be responsive to the real-life market forces, we'll do that. Yeah, Speaking right. of both there we go. All right, yeah, that was not the, the – I would I would wish it was the excerpt that you were alluding mm. to. Or we can get into that. But I just say this. This, to me, and Ken, feel free to vigorously disagree with me on this one. Okay, we – the Fair Work Week ordinance is set up to protect the rights of lower wage workers who, uh, on a routine basis in many businesses and in many industries, uh, show up to work on any given day only to be told that their schedule has been changed, they should go home. Correct. All right. So you go home, maybe you have child care payments that you've already paid, you've, you're out the money, you've spent the money to get to work. It's not only inconvenient, it's... Um, it, it, it's it, it, it's very it's costly all right so this what it is intended uh, to help so opponents of 
this is so classic opposition. Opponents to uh, the Fair Work Week uh, don't talk about, let's say, a corporation like McDonald's, you know, mm-hmm. or uh, some other f- national fast food chain or Walmart, etc. It's deep pockets that do this stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. They z- zero in on hospitals yeah. as though this is going to be really hard on a hospital. People in the middle of heart surgery are yeah. going to have to just leave. It, and, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, and yeah. I saw Tom Tunney, who is the alderman from the, the 44th Ward, who's generally the champion, quote-unquote, for the business community on any kind of issue like this, mm-hmm. minimum wage, saying, what about the hospitals, the safety net hospitals? Mm-hmm. Suddenly they're worried. The, the business community yeah. is suddenly worried. about. They're the biggest opponents to any kind of national health care plan we have. You know, we've utter insanity in our health care system. But suddenly, if you give... And by the way, they're not for profit. They're not for profit. Yeah. So yeah. Do, do you share my, when I hear this? No, I, I, you, you need go no further. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. And actually, you know, as I was um, clattering down here on the L, I was thinking what I want to, the, the first thing I want to say when, when the mics open is what an unbelievable experience it's been the last week or two to be living in Chicago and to feel good about some things that have happened in the city council. <laughs> yes. 50 to nothing yeah. votes. Yeah. And yeah, this is, uh, everyone agrees this is an imperfect piece of, of law, but my God, I mean, from one day to the next, you, you're going to get, I mean, yes, you and I, Ben, fortunately have probably never been in that situation where you go to work and you think you're going to get eight hours and three hours later the restaurant isn't isn't busy and they just say i'll go home we're not going to need you anymore no pay you get two hours three hours and you go those things are not going to happen in chicago anymore well i mean obviously there are exceptions but this is a major step forward and when you take that into 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 account with the ethics ordinance also 50 to nothing which is going to have significant change not right away it's going to be five six seven years down the road before you really see the benefits from from what that's going to do not having people being able to do tax law 15 (laughs) minutes after they pass a tax you know all that crap right so we are seeing some really significant improvements in Chicago's politics and and in its governance in in a very short period of time and I'm kind of excited about it I know we're both cynics and we both know that you know we'll, this will this too will pass but I just want this moment yeah. you know the the light is shining I see a glimmering <laughs> a glimmering light through the fog up on the hill uh, okay. and it makes me and it makes me weepy all right well okay uh, get him a handkerchief <laughs> uh, I I the fifty to nothing vote I. I got a big kick out of on the um, ethics issue. I was listening, yeah. Because was one it? of the votes, w- obviously, <laughs> was Ed Burke. Ed Burke. And I'm like, I was laughing. Yeah, I thought that was like, like Ed, Ed Burke voting. You the- want to talk about a cynical vote. Wow. Huh? Yeah, it doesn't get much more cynical. The whole ethics bill was designed to get you to stop doing what you're right, doing. To either put you out of your, out of your business out of or your take business. you out of the city council. Yeah. I'll vote for it. Uh, but nevertheless... What I what I'm what I'm optimistic about is that we have reached a point in our body politic where even a guy like Ed Burke has to say, mm, "I guess I better vote for this." Yeah, that's a pretty amazing thing. While he decides whether uh, he'll hold <laughs> yeah. on to that uh, right, property right. tax business. Right. All right, that's Ken Davis. I'm Ben Jarowski. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna bring on John Gleason Teske. We'll be right back after this. 
The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by the Northwestern Summer Writers Conference. Now in its 15th year, the three-day conference held in Chicago features a diverse array of workshops, speakers, discussions, and readings. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash writers. I am who I am. Don't you think voters should get to decide whether to change Illinois' tax system? That's what's about to be determined in Springfield. A yes vote by the legislature will put the fair tax on the ballot, so you get a chance to decide. Tell your representative, we deserve a vote. I just saw that Nancy Pelosi, just before our meeting, made a statement that we believe that the President of the United States is engaged in a cover-up. Well, it turns out I'm the most, and I think most of you would agree to this, I'm the most transparent president probably in the history of this country. Uh, we have given, on a witch hunt, on a hoax, the whole thing with Russia was a hoax as it relates to the Trump administration and myself. It was a total horrible thing that happened to our country. It hurt us in so many ways. Despite that, we're setting records with the economy, with jobs, with the most, most people employed today that we've ever had in the history of our country. We have the best unemployment numbers that we've had in the history of our country. In some cases, 51 years, but generally in the history of our country. Companies are moving back in. Things are going well. And I said, let's have the meeting on infrastructure. We'll get that done easily. That's one of the easy ones. And instead, all right, that's enough of that guy. All right, <laughs> all right today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. It's located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. And guys, it's badass. All right, listen to this furniture, appliances, lamps, books, clothes, electronics, probably candles. Ben, I know you love candles. We haven't done that one in a while. What's your favorite candle scent, by the way? Uh, what was it? Cannabis? Cannabis. Yeah. The cannabis candle. Yeah. It's a thrift shop, guys, but it's the only thrift shop in Chicago that you would usually light a candle to get rid of the uh, cannabis smell, but he likes the smell. By the way, the guy sitting next to me last night at the movie. Boy, was he reeking of cannabis. Oh, Just yeah. Oh, man. That's not legal yet. I, I try to tell him that. Uh, don't sir. say his name. Uh, I don't know him. Good. I use some random stranger sitting next to me in the movie theater. Guys, it's a thrift shop, but it's the only thrift shop in Chicago that helps bring you the Ben Jarofsky Show. So if you're ever on Broadway between Granville and Devon, tell them thank you. And go check out Green Element Resale, 6241 North Broadway. And find more information at greenelementresale.com. This noise right here you're about to hear right here. Oh, that's all the money you're going to save. Woo! Woo! Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed. We are live. I twisted Ken Davis's arm. He's sitting around. We locked the door. We won't let him get him out. One of my favorite things to do in the summer is walk along the, you know, the lakefront bike path, walking path. And this year, more than in the 40 years that I've been doing it, you can walk from Montrose pretty much all the way to Oak Street and never lose the whiff of Of marijuana. It's just like the whole damn lakefront. Well, it sounds like the 70s, actually. Yeah, uh, that's sort of my memory of the yeah. lakefront on the 70s. Yeah. John Gleesenteski is joining us. Welcome to the show, John. First time on our show. He's so excited. I've listened to every single show. <laughs> literally. <laughs> a, a literally every single show. All every right, day. let's give so, you a Ben Jarofsky really? show trivia. Uh, what is my nickname for that man right over there? Uh, y- your nickname? Yes. Uh, your nickname for him is Dr. D. However, uh, all his good friends and uh, the proud city of Alton, Illinois, call him White Lightning. <laughs> 
<laughs> Very good. Okay, you do listen to the show. All right, before we go any yeah. further here, remember everybody, right now posted on both Bidrowski Show Facebook and Twitter pages, it's the latest column from No, Not White Lightning Dennis. It's the latest <laughs> Chicago Reader column from our very own Ben Jarofsky. The article is titled The Anti-Trump. Ben, tell people what they're Oh, uh, yeah, we talked about this a little earlier. And uh, Ken, I don't know if you know this guy. Uh, Michael Flug is his name. He, for years, was the archivist at uh, the oh. Woodson Library on yeah. the south side of Chicago. Yes. An extraordinary human being. He died. And um, I wrote a tribute to, first, Maureen O'Donnell wrote a brilliant obituary. We had her on the show the other day talking about it. Uh, And uh, this man, he lived a life that is just uh, the opposite of everything Donald Trump, the way Donald Trump has lived. Uh, He was a a white guy who worked in the black community and did everything he could to preserve black culture uh, as an archivist, uh, preserving all kinds of letters and first drafts and manuscripts. Anyway, uh, a great, uh, great Chicago, and he died mm, a couple weeks go so i just felt it was important to pay tribute to him the life he lived and uh, talk about him turning the greater content of chicago politics there you go some weekend reading material go check it out after today's show and after you listen to those bonus interviews yeah. at <laughs> benny j show on twitter and uh, facebook and chicagoreader.com all right it's a lot of obligations you're giving these people at first you gotta listen to the download uh, bonus show and then you gotta watch that movie uh, ben's yeah. talking about all right uh so john cleese and Teske, uh you are you have uh, a Chicago resident, a resident now, but you have not always been from Chicago. Introduce yourself uh, to our listeners. Tell them who you are and where you're from. Uh, hi, I'm John Gleesenteski. I am a, a local theater uh, part practitioner, uh, director, actor. Um, I did props once. I moved a, a, a woman in a full of chocolate bathtub uh, around um, a mall once. Um, but a I, mall? Uh, yeah, uh, it's a, a merchandise mart. There's ah. a woman filled in a bathtub filled with chocolate, and I pushed her around, and people would take chocolate from the bathtub. It was a weird gig. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Wait, so the, in other words, you worked for the chocolate company? Um, I, it was an event uh, that had a bunch of candy. Uh, I was working for a Red Moon Theater, which is yeah, a bunch good of old Red Moon, installations. Yeah. Wait, like Red that. Moon, was that the one that did the fire? Yes. Were you yes. working for them when they did the fire? I was not. Okay. Wait, it was going to be, they were going to illustrate the fire. What was, was that the again? Chicago fire. The Chicago right? fire, they had a boat that went down the right. Chicago River? They lots had a, of, yeah, yeah, lots of boats, lots of installations that would, they would like fake buildings that they would then set on fire. Um, it started raining the day, so they had to like cancel a lot of the stuff. And nothing <laughs> worked very well. That yeah. cost a whole lot of money. Where was that rain when we needed it back in 1870? or one whenever the Chicago fire was uh, but I'm sorry I cut you off go ahead but um, but um, while I'm a proud Chicago resident right now I uh, grew up in the uh, great state of Wisconsin in the city of Milwaukee great place on the Great Lake I've got mm. a t-shirt that says so uh, and I also lived for uh, four years in the uh, city of Lincoln Nebraska so I've wow. got uh, wow. some, uh, some some good Midwest credit all right yeah you do so you're uh, from now on you've been christened as our Wisconsin correspondent very important <laughs> <Yeah>. job <laughs> director uh, Chief of the Milwaukee Bureau. Yes, Chief of the Milwaukee Bureau. Because it's an important job. We were just talking about uh, how significant Wisconsin is in the upcoming presidential election. Uh, Young Kenneth was the one who sent me the article by Nate Cohn, and he takes a deep dive into Wisconsin. So what's your sense of the electorate in uh, Wisconsin? Uh, We like 
bold people, I think. Uh, the, the, it's a purple state, I think, in, in people's hearts as well as in the voting. Um, uh, I think there's a lot of farmers who don't get too political. But you know what? That, that Trump guy has got a lot of things that he's like. To, he's, he's saying bold things. Ted Cruz is a little, eh, but Trump is bold. Um, and uh, also flip side, they are not a Hillary state. They are very much a Bernie state. Uh, Milwaukee is the home of the sewer socialists, uh, which are not because they're gross. It's because they made a working sewer system and they're proud of it. Uh, I just got married and, and the back uh, drop is this beautiful bridge that we have in Milwaukee called uh, the Hone Bridge, which is uh, for the longest serving, I believe he's the longest serving, one of three card-carrying socialist mayors of the city of Milwaukee. So we like, you know, bold politics wow. one way or the one other. One way or the other. So in your humble opinion, if uh, to win Wisconsin, who should the Democrats nominate as their candidate? Not saying you're endorsing this person, but just to win Wisconsin, who do you think the Democrats should nominate? Uh, I would go with a with a Warren or a Bernie uh, at this point. I think they're... Somebody uh, left. Somebody left. Somebody left and and go after the kids um, because that's wow. that's where the people are. That's where the people, the 33 percent of the uh, people who could were voting eligible but did not vote in uh, 2016. Can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. One of the things that Nate Cohn brings up, and, and I've read it in mm -hmm. several different places, is that for reasons that escape me, Milwaukee is kind of like the last of the Midwest urban centers where the... Um, the the collar counties are no longer solid, reliable re Republican, but Milwaukee is. What we're seeing here and in other places, Cleveland, Detroit, and so forth, is that the people who moved out into the suburbs in the 50s and 60s are dying off, and they're being replaced by younger people with more progressive views. And so this is what you're seeing in DuPage County and places like that in, in, in the Chicago area, that they're actually becoming sort of moderately Democratic. But that's not happening in Milwaukee. That has held solid, and that, that, that while Milwaukee Milwaukee might be a good Democratic place. The collar counties are really Trump. Is that do you agree with that? I, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, and I think I think there is a, a certain uh, working class ethic um, uh, that is the very blue in the city, and a working class ethic that is very red outside. Of we don't need any of these elites. We 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 built our own houses, our own plots of <laughs> land that we spent our own money on. Uh, that we we worked hard and got our boat just like Donald Trump, um, like log cabins. We built our own ranch right, house, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which you know. Uh, and sometimes when I talk to people like that in in these um, you know in New Berlin um, not to call out any place but Cedarburg. having just done that uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I'm at it Cedarburg but, um, but uh, when you talk to these people they they honestly believe that they don't want higher taxes um, I mean nobody really wants higher taxes but they don't want higher taxes ben because does. they've, they've <laughs> <laughs> But they they they've worked their whole <laughs> lives and, and they and they don't think of themselves as like you know rich big city New York uh, you know liberals they they. All right, let me ask you this question. Uh, Ken was pointing out, and I think he's right, and, and it's the Dennis theory. Did you get a clip of that audio? Uh, and I think he's right. I think he's right. I think he's right. Yeah, I'll save right. Yeah, save that one. Ken Davis is right. Yeah. Uh, he actually predicted Trump would win. All right. Uh, Thanks a lot, Ken Davis. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Uh, and when he made that prediction, all of a sudden polls change. You know, voters, well, Ken Davis says it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if it's Ken Davis says it, I gotta <laughs> vote for him. But we digress. Uh, we digress. All right, so uh, young Kenneth and Dennis, Dennis both say that people lie to pollsters and they're embarrassed to admit that for Donald Trump. 
All right. Yeah. So you're saying that people in Wisconsin are extremes. They're proud to be who they are. And so you don't give them that wishy-washy uh, middle of the road Hillary stuff. So having said that, do you think that people in Wisconsin, even Wisconsinites, whatever they're called, are lying? Because if they're, they believe in extremes, if they're unashamed to be who they are, then you, they wouldn't lie to the pollsters. So what do you think it is? Do, do they lie to pollsters or do they tell the truth? Uh, and to clarify, I don't think that they are extreme. I think they like extremes. Um, I think they like bold statements. Um, I think th- I think they got the good Midwestern. Uh, we're not. We're just making our own lives. We're just we're just taking care of ourselves. And we're you know Milwaukee is one of the the the, the biggest small town you know um, of a city. Um, and uh, I think that they might be lying to themselves that they're not going to end up voting for Donald Trump. I think that's what it is. Whoa. Uh, I, I know a lot of people who, you know, uh, I I think of young people even, who I think of as moderately liberal and, you know, music tastes and pop culture and, you know, the, everything non-political. Uh, and we talked about, you know, well, what'd you vote for? Well, I it was back and forth butter emails and i'm like no you didn't yeah. no <laughs> no her email no. it was the email so so i think there's a lot of people like that out there i think there are people who well, uh, you know i wouldn't i wouldn't be voting for that man but the abortion issue it seems like you know huh. there's they, they i know they're going to vote so what what okay so what do you think motivate is motivating a wisconsiner what, it was, what, what are they? Wisconsinites? Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Uh, what, what motivates a cheesehead to vote for Donald Trump? Um, I, I think it's the same thing. I think it's the, the, I think it's the, the enemy. I think it's the Democrat. I think it's if they feel disenfranchised with the Democrat, um, whoever it may be, um, uh, d- despite the fact that I think a lot of the Democrats are coming going, I'm trying to do ni- good things for you and for your farms and for your you know middle class life and for your you know wages that you got through union values. I think they're trying to appeal that way. But if it's a if it's a Hillary Clinton that doesn't show up. If it's a Hillary Clinton, if it's a you know a Clinton from New York up there doing those things mm-hmm. um, and saying, well, you're a purple state, so you're going to vote for me anyway, right? That's what they get pissed off about. So this is something that w- one of the things Illinois and Wisconsin share is that we are a big city stuck in the middle of Alabama, basically. <laughs> I mean, you know, and and I, I've always been, I've just been mystified by the fact that. Donald Trump has not been good to farmers, even though oh, he yeah, did give go. them $30 billion, you know, he has, he has not helped them. And I've never understood how rural America, I mean, let's not say rural, agricultural America could be so supportive of him. And that seems to be happening. That seems to be the case in Illinois. And it looks to me like it's the same in Wisconsin. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, explain yourself. Uh, I I mean, (laughs) I am uh, of the political persuasion of the kind of person who listens to the Ben Jarofsky show every day. I see. So so personally, it doesn't always make sense to me. um, But I, and I think it's part of it is that he does bail them out the the 16 or 30 or however many billion dollars. To, to, 
So well, it was sixteen billion dollars for the la- for the trade embargo, right. I, and I don't know if he actually bailed them out in that because I t- was talking about this yesterday, John. Uh, mm-hmm. Yesterday there were proposals to cut uh, food stamps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The food stamps program is a, is a subsidy that helps farmers. Is, is yeah, in addition that's to why that's people why the poor. farmers like it. Yeah, yeah, that's why the farmers like yeah. it. So I'm like, wait yeah. a minute, what yeah. happened to helping the farmers? All of a sudden, like <laughs> you can help a farmer. This I think is a Republican attitude. So as long as you don't help a poor person. Okay. That was one of the genius things of when when Congress worked, right, was taking the people who advocated for the farmers and people who advocated for the urban poor and saying, here's a program yeah. you could both mm-hmm. like for completely different, different reasons. reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the reasons are kind of the same. They're both subsidizing uh, one or the other. All right. Yeah. Now let me ask you this. So. Uh, I hear you. What you're saying is that um, there's a loyalty to Trump that, to a degree, uh, trumps, if you will, uh, any kind of program that he's he's uh, pushing. So, how far will cheeseheads go with that loyalty? In other words, if Trump um, will they remain loyal to Trump if he pulls back farm subsidies? Will they remain loyal to Trump uh, if his tax policies hurt them? Will they re- will they remain loyal to Trump if they're suddenly overcome with pollution because of Foxconn, etc.? How f- how long will they remain loyal to Donald Trump in the face of reality? I uh, longer than I'd like. Um, that we we had a guy, uh, my my childhood friend's next door neighbor, um, a guy by the name of Scott Walker, um, <laughs> who uh, who was in office for way too long. Is that right? He was the the childhood the neighbor of your childhood friend. Yep, yep. Uh, and so I would I would go over to her house, and there'd be two little children running around and shouting, and I'm like, man, those that that house over there, um, oh. who lives over there? And it was uh, Scott Walker. <laughs> Scott Walker. Hey, take care of your uh, kids. Um, uh, my my dear friend Ezra Olson, who also lived in that house, uh, wrote a lovely thing about how he, as a student, as a as a twenty something student right now, is being screwed over royally by or was by Scott Walker. Um, but they played catch one time, um, so I guess you know give and take. Uh, but but uh, uh, yeah, and, and I think that's a people like the bold uh, Scott Walker was doing things. Scott Walker was taking action. I think if you were of the opinion that action needed to be taken. Um, uh, the budget needed to be cut. Um, then, then Scott Walker was doing something, and the fight against him all emboldened people uh, to support him even harder. I mean, there are giant, giant protests outside yeah. uh, of the Capitol for Scott Walker. Um, uh, they, uh, there was a pizza place in, in Madison that uh, was taking orders um, from anybody who would call in, and they would just bring pizza to everybody protesting, and they got they got money from all, all seven continents, including Antarctica. Like this huge protests against this guy and they still voted and they they voted for him again and then they voted for him again and it's it, it doesn't make any sense to me is it one of those in madison one of those protests in yeah. madison on a really really frigid day in january mm-hmm. and the guest speaker was none other than sarah palin mm-hmm. right and i mean there were Wow. Hundred thousand people in the squ- in the square there. Just it was packed, and then it's like, oh, no, stop, Palin! And she comes running out wearing a white blouse, just like it, it's like five below zero. And, Hi, everybody! It feels like Alaska here. <laughs> Not a bad invitation. I just have to say that. Uh, all right. So having said. I'm trying to get into the mind of uh, a, a Wisconsin voter. And I think you're right. 
this notion that they like somebody who uh, they they like the notion of some uh, of an extreme point of view, uh, somebody who seems to take a strong stands. Uh, they like to think that uh, they themselves take strong stands. What would be advantageous to the Democrats at this point to, in winning over the Wisconsin voter to take the strong stand of impeaching Donald Trump? Let the chips fall where they may. Or to take the sort of namby-pamby Pelosi slash Axelrod slash Emmanuel (laughs) slash Obama. Well, we're uh, we're just going to get along with everybody. uh, I can't let go of Emmanuel. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No. (laughs) uh, uh, And not to the impeachment, in your humble opinion. Um, I think the impeachment. I I think, you know, let's air out all that laundry. Let's have this fight. Let's go into the streets and do it. Let's get every information into the the hands of everybody. Uh, This Mueller thing was not a Nixon and, you know, nightly news highlight of everybody, everybody sitting down. He was boring and he was boring on purpose and he said he was going to be boring before that. So we shouldn't be surprised. Um, But uh, and I think the more we go into this, the more Mullers we drag out, the more, you know, uh, dirty laundry we would get into. The more I think people were it's not about winning over that guy with Trump, you know, plastered on his barn two stories tall. That guy's done. That guy's we got to outvote that guy um, and he'll come around in, you know, 2024, maybe um, and vote our way. We have to get the people who mm, the Clint, you know, Clinton, Trump, I don't like either of them. I'm going to stay home. Those are the people we have to get uh, uh, the the. In Wisconsin and everywhere, mostly everywhere else, the states that Trump won, he barely won. He won a little bit. He just barely got over uh, the 2.86 million uh, votes that Hillary Clinton got above Donald Trump are from like deep, 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 deep blue um, where, you know, so the 2.86 million votes don't count. We knew they weren't going to count. If you if you spread out the Electoral College evenly, they're still not going to count. Um, so we got to get more people voting. We got to get more of Milwaukee voting. We got to get more than, than half. Half the country didn't vote. Half yeah. the country didn't vote. Yeah. So, yeah, I, so impeachment go. I'm with you 100% yeah. on that one. I hope Nancy Pelosi is listening. Well, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the NAACP, mm-hmm. you know, really vocally calling for impeachment to move forward. And the Democrats are in a kind of a weird position on this because, boy, do they need African-American votes, right? So, you know, if, if African-American voices are springing forward and saying, we want that impeachment. Don't you dare fail us on this. <clears throat> They're going to have to move forward on yeah. it. And whether it's a good idea or not, I don't know. Well, here know. we go. We have, let's just think about what, what each of you just said. Uh, on one hand, the black vote says impeach him. On the other hand, my expert on all things cheese has said that you can win over white voters in Wisconsin by taking a bold stand yeah. and impeaching him. Yeah. <laughs> impeach the guy. Yeah. And let me just say this right now. I'll say this a million times. The Republicans would have already started the impeachment oh my hearings. God, they would have had a cell already <laughs> cleared out for him. The cell would have been waiting yeah. for him. That's Ken Davis and uh, John Gleason-Teske also in the studio. We'll be right back after this. I love antique shows and antique fairs. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. Oh, my. Look at that wonderful piece of architecture. 
Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. Our friends and co-hosts at the Chicago Sun-Times are offering you, yes, you, our listeners, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all of the stories that you love. Unlock every feature, video, and podcast just like the Ben Jarofsky Show by signing up now for a digital subscription. Ben loves digital, digitally subscribing to things, by the way. For a limited time only, you can test out our digital access for only $1. Seriously, $1. There's no reason to not give it a shot. Stay up to date on breaking stories. Get the deep dives and investigations from Sun-Times reporters. Cheer for the big games with the best sports team in the city and go deep inside city hall with best in class political reporting one dollar for your first month one dollar you can't do better than that welcome back to the ben jarofsky show mr jarofsky Take us to the weekend. Yes, that super cool music means the end of another super cool show, but it's not over yet. And I want to thank John Gleason Teske. Uh, not only does he know everything about Wisconsin, not only does he direct plays, not only does he take a woman around the merchandise mart in chocolate. Was it the merchandise mart? In a bathtub, yeah. I mean, a bathtub filled with chocolate. He plays a mean piano. That's JGT <laughs> right there, all right? He's good. He's uh, really good. Don't yeah. tell my childhood piano teacher, because she would be very disappointed if she, I suddenly got good. You, I did not know that. You took piano as a child, and, yeah. you, and you didn't practice. No, I didn't. Yeah, well, he should yep. emulate Kenny Davis. He can play the <laughs> piano with his eyes closed. He's really good. All right, do you got an update for us? Uh, absolutely, I do. It's Here we got one. more of Lori Lightfoot <laughs> on Chicago tonight. Uh did you watch this, by the way, Ken Davis? I've, I listened to it. Okay, all yeah. right. Uh, it's Paris Schutz conducting. I, this may be the first one that he's had with Lori Lightfoot. I'm not sure. I haven't seen many others. So uh, we're going to just continue and hit play and see what happens. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Hold on. Paris Schutz plays a mean piano. Let's do Leah's last word. All and then right. once we get to that, what, then we'll do the Paris Schutz. Are your famous Oh, absolutely. Leah, she's a fantastic uh, editor and intern here at the Ben Jarofsky Show. Absolutely. She does an amazing job. Seriously, she makes us stay current and look cool on Twitter and Facebook. So we decided to give her our own segment here on the program, and we like to call it Leah's Last Word. <laughs> How's Thank going, you. Leah? How are you? Good. Um, okay, my question is, um, some guests came on the show earlier this week and ha- debated about this. What is more important in the upcoming election for Democrats to um, get voters to turn out mm-hmm. or to convince swing voters who voted for Trump in the last election? Oh, to flip. So to flip. Mm-hmm. persuasion, or what was the other one? Motivation. I think that was, that's how they phrase it, right? Motivation versus persuasion. We'll start with young Kenneth Davis. I think I'm going to come down on the um, getting people out to vote rather than trying to Motivation. swing, rather than trying to swing Trumpsters over. Um, there is a, the biggest problem that we have is that. Democrats are less motivated, generally speaking, than Republicans are, because Republicans know they're a minority in the country, and so they know they got to work harder. And um, too many Democrats have this, uh, you know, don't vote, it only encourages them kind of attitude. And uh, it's, it's, it's justified living where we live. I mean, our state and our city has been corrupt in so many ways for, so, for virtually all of our lives. 
And so it's easy to just think, well, it's just, you know, that's what, that's what politicos do. I'm not going to be a part of that. And if there was ever a time when the message needs to go forth, <laughs> you know, uh, from every hilltop that, uh, that that we need to get everybody out there to vote that we possibly can. And I think that that's one of the real successes of, um, um, forgive me, I just forgot the name of the organization, you know, the, the, the big, the people who are doing all the voter registration stuff. Um, <laughs> Indivisible. Oh, indivisible. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I was going to say unforgivable for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Indivisible. I I think that's kind of, that's what, that's one of the real secrets that they have unlocked is, is getting people to get involved with government and to think, Hey, maybe I can make a difference if I, if I attend these meetings and that kind of thing. So that would be my vote. Motivation. Okay. I'm, I'm a hundred percent on the motivation train. Um, I'm the, you know, and, uh, we brought the, the Ken brought up the NAACP making that, making impeachment sort of a, a, a racialized issue. Uh, th- this isn't just like a, a thing that these politicians are dealing with. This is like black folks need to get involved in this, you know, care in this. And I think that's sort of the, the uh, environment we need to go to. Uh, um, uh, Jamie Andrade on, on the uh, the bonus episode was like, we need to go to our neighborhoods, our neighborhoods, where we are, yep. and talk about this and talk about how voting needs to happen and talk about why you should come out. Um, and, uh, and I say that across the board, to whomever, wherever you're living, if you know however much you're you're uh, uh, leaning one way or the other, um, because uh, when more people vote, more liberal, more progressive policies win. So, would you call the voters who voted for Trump in the last election like a lost cause, like that we can't get them back? On our side? I, no, I wouldn't. Well, yes and no. What I would say is that the people who voted for Trump are. Uh, almost everybody who actually went out and voted for Trump is going to vote for them again. I don't believe that there's any fall off at all. I mean, not significant statistically. Um, there may be some who are disenchanted with him, but they're not going to vote against him either. They're, they're going to be the ones who stay, stay home. And of course, the other thing we don't know is what is there any possibility there's going to be a Green Party candidate or a third-party candidate of some kind? Because um, I've already been having conversations with friends of mine who live in Illinois, saying I'm not going to I'm not going to vote for Bernie or whoever the Democrat is because it doesn't matter. Illinois is going to go for the Democrat, so I can I can give my vote to somebody else, mm. and that's essentially true but i guess my feeling at this point is i just want that raw number to go up even if even if we do live in a state that's electorally safe yeah uh yeah i I have those same kind of conversations and i'm like but you're gonna vote right and shaking them um that yeah i think absolutely get getting people to vote uh, in this next election is what we should be focusing on. And then if the people who voted for Trump and then may, might vote for Trump again in 2020, they might come to say, oh, you know what? I like health care. Oh, you know what? I like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, my yeah. streets are cleaner. My yeah. my crops are getting bought by yeah. places that want them. You know, then they'll come around. I think that the best way to get them to come around is to win the election anyway. Yeah, show them, show them what can be done better. Mm-hmm. So, Leah, do you have an p- opinion on motivation versus persuasion? How do like you our our Z expert, uh, Z generation <laughs> expert, Z. Uh, to get uh, your your generation to vote? Do you motivate them or persuade them? Um, I think definitely motivate. Um, not enough people my age vote. We took a poll at my 
at my um, college to see how many people turned out in the last midterm. And it was something like 10%. And we were all, uh, we're all of voting age. So I don't know why 10%. we don't. Yeah, yeah. Good God. Oh my Lord, 10%. Well, what do you think it would have been in oh uh, when you were at uh, when I was at, at Harvard? Uh, I, uh, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Harvard, the Midwest. Right you know, here's the, the deal. Harvard I've said this many uh, times before. Uh, I, my mother, may she rest in peace, was a New Deal Democrat, and we were going to vote. And, That's true. And, yeah, and, and she that, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. we turned 18, you're registered. Uh, and uh, there's an election coming up, and I'm from Evanston, proud to say that. Uh, we had a, a congressman running named Abner Mikva, and my mother would uh, make me schlep in from Wisconsin, where I went to college, to vote. You got to vote for Abner Mikva, mm -hmm. and um, I'd always be behind, so we never do the absentee ballot. So I'd literally get on a Greyhound bus and come home to yeah, vote. Yeah. It just was taught to me uh, by my mom, and so I just it's, when I hear that, it's just like my first thought: Where are the parents? <laughs> well, I, I asked that because yeah. you know I just wonder about. Well, actually, you know, I'm just thinking in, in my cohort when when we were first coming of voting age, that was LBJ and the Vietnam War, so there would have been very strong motivation to vote then. But I'm not so sure after that. I mean, I bet you if you looked at like 1972, 76, 80, and you looked at the 18, 19 year old vote, you wouldn't see that. You would not have voted? Let's see. Uh, Bernard Carey running against Richard M. Daly? I, the, the, the I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying. Yeah. I just, when you said 1980, that's the first election that popped <laughs> yeah, into my mind. I know, I know. And I, was just, I wasn't going to give it to you. Yeah. I know. All right. So what? So you're a savant. Okay. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. How about you, John? Were you taught by your, your, a mother or a father that to, uh, the essence of voting this essentialness of voting i think yeah i think it wasn't like as, as strictly instilled yeah. uh, as it was you're getting you. on that bus um but yeah i think it was definitely uh well you know you should probably vote you can why not um and then i think that the first uh, election that i actually voted in uh was uh was the uh, obama presidential election um and, and he was like well i'm gonna Cut um, reform student loans, and I was like, I'm gonna have student loans. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's I'm voting for you. Done. Yeah. And then I would like convince people who are also going to college. I'm like, he's 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 working on student loans, and yeah. we all have student loans. And they're like, oh, maybe I should vote. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, I. I, I but that's not true for everybody. I've had roommates who like I go, hey, your absentee ballot's still on the table. The election passed a while ago. Oh yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Now let me ask you this question. Which candidate, when you said Obama, there's triggered in my Bernie mind. Carey. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Bernie <laughs> Carey, 1980. Uh, which candidate is the least likely, in your humble opinion, to excite cheesehead voters? Which Democratic candidate is the least likely to excite? Of the four or five that are... How that, uh, you know, yeah. We're talking about the, the yeah. four and then yeah. also Mayor Pete. Four plus right? one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm 100% <laughs> down for the four and then also Pete. Um, four plus um, Pete. Uh, Mayor P. Um, uh, I, I would say Biden or Harris, depending on uh, on who you're talking about. I yeah. think uh, mm -hmm. I think if Harris comes out, um, you know, still comes out swinging. Um, I think if she talks, uh, if she goes to the base of the Democratic Party, um, not white people, uh, <laughs> the people, the most consistent Democratic voters, if she mm -hmm. goes to that, those those groups in Milwaukee um, and the surrounding areas, um, then they'll be like, yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get with her. But um, yeah, Biden's kind of boring. And but likewise, if uh, if if 
uh, Barack Obama's coming around. Um, similarly, he's exciting. And if we get the Obama Biden, you know, buddy cop, you know, tour, mm-hmm. that could be exciting. Well, well, Ken, I just I find it, you know, so many people come through here bashing Biden. Uh, on this show all the time, uh, John. You're not alone, and it's just, just bashing Biden. Bashing mm-hmm. Biden, and I'm and it it got to me the other day. I finally had a breakdown. <laughs> I went, like, you know, where were you guys for the last eight years? Aww. You know, you loved him when he was with Barack. So what? What? Like, I'm, I'm having a Ken Davis moment. <laughs> I mean, is Barack Obama already unpopular? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I think so. I don't think you could build much of a campaign on you know Barack Obama at this point. Yeah. Although uh, that that's not really true. If he got out and started going out on the road, he would bring out huge crowds. I'm sure he would. Yeah, mm-hmm. people just be uh, very weird. All right, before we go, I have to ask uh, Ken Davis the Michael Quentin Madigan Tarantino. question. Oh, oh, good, 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 <laughs> folks. I just, oh, by the way, speaking of which, mm-hmm. I got a text. Wow, that that text I got uh, Sergio Mims. And that that the theater is in Village Crossing, by the way. And Skokie. How did you know that? I, I don't live far from there. Right? The brain on brain. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. It's like right near the northwest side of yeah. the city of Chicago. In yeah. fact, there's a Barnes and Noble. Is that Barnes and Noble technically in the city of Chicago or the village no, of Skokie? No, I think it's in the village of Skokie, I if see. I'm not mistaken. Anyway, it's, if you really want the clear sound, you go to that theater. Uh, Sergio Mims just texted me, our uh, movie expert. He said, two thumbs way up. He just saw a matinee. Uh-oh. He said he loved it. He can't wait to be on the show Wednesday. How about the, that? The Geek Fest. All right, Michael Joseph Madigan, we're going to close with this. Uh, get Ken uh, Davis's opinion of this. Great editorial in the Sun-Times today pointing out uh, the connecting the dots. Michael Madigan, all right, our House Speaker. And uh, his uh, one of his chief political lieutenants back in 2017, Kevin Quinn, uh, was caught uh, making sexual uh, harassing, sending out sexual harassing emails uh, to uh, Lisa Hampton, uh, uh, Elena Hampton, excuse me. And uh, he was forced to step down. Uh, Madigan apologized that it was a disgrace that he was going to get to the bottom uh, of, of rooting out all sexual harassment by the Democrats in Springfield, et cetera, et cetera, changed the climate at the culture there uh and uh, kevin quinn was he's also the brother of marty quinn was just sent out into the wilderness uh dispatched to, to be long forgotten turns out that he was getting checks from various lobbyists for commonwealth edison uh who somehow or other fathered upon themselves to send him checks so the chicago sun times raised the question was this just coincidence did these lobbyists for Commonwealth Edison just happen to send checks to this guy, Quinn? I got one. <laughs> oh, that answers that yeah. question. I, I, like three or four of my friends, just we've been getting these $1,000 checks from Comet for some reason. And, just, have you been sending them to Kevin Quinn? <laughs> oh, that's, that, I forgot that part. It says, please forward this to Kevin Quinn. No, 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 I'm lying. Yes, <laughs> that would be a lie. So coincidence, was there, uh, were they engineering a campaign on behalf of Kevin Quinn? Uh, was it coincidence or were they engineering uh, a campaign on behalf of Kevin Quinn? Ken Davis, your answer. I will answer this question by making an announcement right here on the Ben Jarofsky show. After literally decades of holding out and being on the side of not wanting term limits, I've always argued that they're a terrible thing. I think this this one has broken the back for me. I think it's like if we 
if if people can stay in office for this long and run this kind of a at least easily to perceive as fully corrupt kind of <laughs> operation yeah. right in front of us yeah. and if ed burke who we knew was passing tax bills in the city council and then 15 minutes later running across the street and meeting with people to see how he, we knew these yeah. things. The only, I reluctantly say the only way we can get around that is by just saying, you know what, you're only going to be in office for 10 years or less and that's it. All right, then let me uh, put the question. So the, I guess that answers your question. Yes, that it was not a coincidence. No, uh, there no. was an orchestrated and if you, effort. If, you, yeah. if anybody thought it was, then... Oh, well, God help them. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, John, I'll leave the final question to you, and that is this. Uh, the basic point that Ken is making is a very sound one, that the voters in the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois are incapable of making an astute choice when it comes to electing officials. Uh, should we limit their ability to elect the same old, same old by imposing uh, term limits, or should we just allow democracy to reign and give people the choice, uh, whatever choice they want for the rest of the person's life? Go. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pro-term limits, personally. Um, I think that will bring the conversation to politics more, uh, as opposed to, well, my name's Daly, and you liked it Daly before, I liked it Daly, you know, and he's done an okay job for the last 50 years, well, you know, and the 14th Ward looks cool to me, like the streets are clean, whatever, so I'm gonna keep voting for Ed. Uh, you know, and, and if somebody has to leave, ha can't keep doing that, and then someone else has to jump into that seat, you know, we might see, uh, you know, a different Burke, uh, and uh, you know, and then a Burke's grandson, you know, fulfilling those places. You're not going to be able to get rid of that fully, but if that's you know every ten years, you're going to run out of Burks. You're going to run out of dailies. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you got to shake it up a little bit, and I think the more more people have to get involved, the the better. Well, I I am all over the map on this one, but I did vote for Pat Quinn's referendum mm -hmm. uh, for term limits for the mayor of the city of Chicago, and. Uh, that was in November 2018. And um, we, then we had a shakeup, you know, uh, and I just want to point out before we break uh, that Pat Quinn's uh, his Pat Quinn, the, the mayor Rom tag team with lawyers for uh, Michael Madigan to bury that referendum. Uh, they were in, unable to kick it off the ballot. So we got to vote on it. And now uh, Ken and John, what they've done is uh, they've, uh, through their challenges to uh, to that referendum, they've f essentially they've been able to bury the results of that referendum. So we don't know what we vote. We'd had an election. Mm -hmm. We voted on the election, uh, but we do not know the results of the election. And I think that sort of proves that the um, like the other side on this issue yeah. will go to extreme lengths to keep us from having a term limits, yeah. which makes me want it even more. So yeah. there we go. Area. I'm with Kenneth Davis on that one. And with that, John, you, you, you're a late comer to that though, too. Right? Very late. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think we've, we've both agreed all through the years that, you know, it's like, no, you, you, yeah, it's true. You get daily for 50 years, but or 20 years, but you know, Hey, it's what the people want. I'm still like tomorrow. If you ask me, I may be blowing in a different mm -hmm. way. You know what I mean? But, uh, it, that what they've done to Pat Quinn's referendums mm -hmm. irritates yeah, me so yeah, much. Yeah. I mean, people voted. Let's just at least tell us that they want. They don't want us to know well, it would how be we dangerous. voted. It would be dangerous. <laughs> it's not good for us to know. Uh, yeah. Yes, keep them ignorant, right. and then get mad when they vote for Donald Trump. Yeah. That's the other part. Wow. Okay. Anyway, Can I tell you one thing. Yes. Quick, real quick. Right 
just about as we're speaking, maybe about a half an hour ago, steam engine number 1404 pulled into West Chicago, and it's parked out there for the next couple of days. It is the world's largest steam engine. It was sitting for 60 years out in Wyoming somewhere, and the uh, UP Railroad spent like $3 million to have new parts made, and they've rebuilt this huge steam engine, and it's traveling around the country and it's going to be in chicago for three days and i've seen another one that's just you know it's not i wasn't operating there hasn't been one operating since 1950 and you stand next to that thing and you are in awe of what man was capable of doing in the you know in the the the, the, those years when everything was there was nothing digital you had to go out and hammer it you know it's an amazing site i want to go out and see it this weekend all right very good a recommendation uh from ken davis i of course will be seeing once upon a time in hollywood for oh you hear that train <laughs> oh you can hear it from Whoa. here you can it's hear coming. it all the way from west chicago uh, oh man <laughs> so you look at the steam engine i'll go look at what's upon a time in hollywood both and, powerful statements yes <laughs> uh ken davis john gleason teske thank you very much also want to thank romano who's was in the show earlier. Leah did a great job. Of course, the man, Excellent. the myth, the legend. And as John can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White, White Lightning. Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. D, give yourself a raise. No one calls me that. <laughs> Have a great weekend, everybody. See you, White. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com forward slash Jarofsky. ChicagoReader.com and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. The bonus interviews are incredible this weekend. Go check them out. And hey, downloaders, we do live stream this program Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Enjoy your weekend.